got Nick Agnelli hey. and we got Pete Price here to you guys with some interesting stories, uh, which we'll get to all of that. Yeah. But Nick, I have to start with you. Yes, sir. You lost 40 pounds mm-hmm. in 70 days. Yep. How'd you do it? So I guess we got the time, so I'll kind of dive it because there's there's levels to it, obviously. Um, but my entire life, uh, weight was always an issue. You know, God made me as a five foot seven meatball um, and no metabolism. And I love food. I love binge eating. It's just food has always been a comfort for me. It's always been kind of something to fall back on. So uh, my entire life and all the adolescence, I was overweight, um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad food, but my mom's an amazing cook and she'd cook the food and I'd go back for seconds. And sometimes I'd even get a look from my dad like, holy shit, he's still hungry. You know? <laughs> um, and then I played football on top of that. So football was kind of my scapegoat. I was an offensive lineman. Um, and with that, being overweight was kind of like cliche thing to be. Uh, so I kind of used that as my identity as well. Got done with football. Um, I had like one D3 look and I was like, I'm not going to go pay to play college football. Like I just, I'm not, I'm not going to excel past that. So there's no point for me. And, um, I told my mom that, that, uh, football year, I said, I'm going to lose weight. I said, I'm going to change who I am. And I just felt it in my bones. You know, when you kind of say something and you get chills, like, Oh my God, I'm believing it. Like the first time you say it, that's how I was with it. And, uh, we lost uh, in the state semifinals on a Friday. That weekend, I looked at her, I said, starts Monday. And again, I felt that conviction. Monday rolled around. I started a local boot camp. That boot camp had a paleo program at the time. It was like Weight Watchers mixed with paleo. It was a point system. And uh, that day I went to the gym. First hard workout I've done since in years. Went home, did the program. I'll never forget that next Tuesday, I'm in my second period class and the holidays are coming up. It was November 26th, the first day I ever started. And so it was November 27th and I'm in my second period class and holidays are coming up. So they're giving like the little holiday parties and shit and I get a, a bagel. I go to take a bite from the bagel and that wasn't part of my program. So it was automatic though. Boom, bagel, hell yeah, cream cheese, zip, zip, and throw it in my mouth. And uh, I took a bite of the bagel and I remember it was, again, I'm not like a, I don't know we'll dive into religion. I don't know. God has never talked to me and the universe. I don't fucking know. But I get these, you get these senses sometimes of like, what was that? You know? And that was one of these things where I got this voice of like, what are you doing? I stood up out of my chair. I walked to the, to the door of the classroom. I threw the bagel out. I walked outside. I spit the bagel out. I said, yeah, motherfucker, this is for real this time. And, uh, that I went from 245 pounds to, uh, 175 pounds in six months. Um, I, uh, it was my life. I did not eat a processed carb for seven months. I didn't eat a processed carb from November 26th to like middle of June the next year. It was strictly meats, nuts, vegetables, and, and that was it. Um, a lot of cardio? CrossFit. CrossFit. So it, it was cardio. functional fitness at the time. And uh, being a young kid, I, I, I'm an obsessive person, right? So it goes from being obsessed with food and bullshit into obsessed with working out. And that's in my opinion, the greatest drug in the world because when those endorphins are getting released and you're looking like Superman and, and, you know, you're feeling like a badass, there's no more higher feeling in the world, in my opinion. So all of that started snowball and um, I went up to Orlando. I went to the community college, Valencia, right outside of UCF with a bunch of my buddies and my sister was already up there. And I went up there with a new identity, a new person. Back in school, I was the funny fat kid. Now I was the funny fat kid who lost weight. In Orlando, I'm just Nick, you know, take me at face value. And that was cool. I went up to Orlando, uh, went to school for two semesters. I uh, became 
a CrossFit coach on the side just for money and because I loved it. Now here here's the picture. So now yeah, here yeah. on the left, what year is this or how how so long are, ago is this? These are the most recent pictures, Rob. If you scroll down, um, probably three four years on my Instagram. It's it's a while. Um, you'll see the original pictures of when I lost weight. Um, yeah, who pull it up? So you, you did a lot of a lot of cardio or a lot of CrossFit. Yeah. You stayed away from any, any type of simple carbs. For me, it was, I kept it simple. I'm not, I wish I was an analytical person, but like I'm not a ma- macro car- counter. I don't have the patience for that. I see food, I eat it. Boom. This podcast is sponsored by Let's Get Checked. Guys, let's talk about what your diet is doing to your testosterone. Fast food, protein bars, instant noodle, candy, soda, chips. How often do you consume these? If any of these are staples in your diet right now, you're consuming what is referred to as ultra-processed foods. Ultra-processed foods have long ingredient lists, additives designed to make foods ready to eat, cost less, and yeah, they do a great job at doing that. But processed foods have high amounts of trans fat in them. This is an unhealthy type of fat, and if you consume a lot, it could lower your testosterone levels. Think about this. Consumption of ultra-processed foods have been rapidly rising since the 1980s, and the average man's testosterone levels has been dropping substantially in the same time frame. Hmm. And this is true for men of all ages. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. They're a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone test lets you easily test your testosterone levels at home. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next-day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash MSCS. And special offer for MSCS media viewers, use the code MSCS and get 30% off your test. The link is in the description below at the top. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash MSCS and special offer for MSCS media viewers, use the code MSCS and get 30% off your test. The link is in the description below at the top. So for me, it was just kind of a calorie restriction of my macros. I was probably eating 1500 calories a day consistently for six months. I mean, over time, you're going to lose weight. Um, and so that's what it was for me. But that on top of cardio, on top of consistency, it was just, you know, as an 18-year-old kid, you're going to lose weight. Um, so keep going down. This is you and your prime, it this looks is, like. Yeah, this is a little stud right there. <laughs> We're going way back here in time. Oh, my God. Hold on. Sc- Rob, scroll up. I, I got to shout <laughs> my friend out here real quick. Go to the picture on the top right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pull up that picture and tell me the first thing you see. Evan Harvey Schlong. Lehigh University. So I worked at a restaurant at the time, and I posted this picture on a Saturday, and I walked in, and there's an old gay gentleman there who was a server. Great guy, just the best. Old gays are the best. And uh, walks up to me, goes, I liked your Instagram picture this weekend. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then he pulled it up, and he zoomed in. I said, okay, that's not all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I texted my boy. I said, holy shit. Jesus. Shout you, out. You he's... went to Lehigh? 
Yeah, he did. He played football there. Oh, that's him. Okay. Um, sorry, Rob. That's all right. I got AD. Sidetracked a little I bit. Like that. All right, so scroll down. So keep going. There you are, Dwyer. Yeah, yeah that, that Dwyer, was, baby. All right, that, that's the picture we need. That, that's Nick, Nick forget about your other picture. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one we need. So that's what you, you see, and then the other picture right. that we show is what you came to. That's where wow. my son's playing football at Dwyer. Yeah. Oh yeah. My son's there. Yeah. It's uh, They're both Dwyer grads. Yeah. Nice. It's the best. It was a really, really awesome program, and a lot of the things that I learned in that program, I still take to my adult life today. And we talked about it on a podcast, but. The influence that these coaches have on these kids, man, my parents split up in, in high school. It was kind of a rough time for me, and these coaches were like second fathers, you know, and a lot of those characteristics they instilled, sometimes I'll be doing something throughout my day, and I, you know, it'll click, and I was like, damn, that makes sense now. At the time, it didn't, but now it does. Now, Pete, did you know him when he was going through any of this weight loss, or, or had you guys kind of gotten together after he had lost? So me and Nick hard? have known each other most of our lives. Um, even elementary school, we went together, so we go way back. Uh, but I would say we kind of rolled, we had a lot of mutual friends, but we kind of had different lifestyles, you know, and um, we we were friends with each other. We knew of each other, but we weren't like best friends like we are today. That was kind of more of a recent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I witnessed Nick growing up, at, you know, the way he described, you know, and then um, going off to college, we I was in Tallahassee and he was in Orlando, so I didn't really get to witness him during that whole transformation. But I remember watching him on social media get involved with, like, the philanthropy. You were doing something with homeless mm-hmm. people for a while. There was a lot of, like, cool stuff that you had going on. And I remember, like, identifying all the changes that you were making mm-hmm. in your life and kind of respecting that, you know, because I could see that he was, like, on a new path and, and doing well. What, what is philan- philanthropy? You know, I, I've heard, like, 17,000 different definitions. My, I, I, It's something that Nick has used the word for, so I was kind of just reiterating what Nick said. My understanding is, like, charity. Charity work, nonprofit stuff, uh Susan G. Coleman, breast cancer cure is a philanthropy, right? So like in uh, college, you have fraternities and sororities, and they usually sponsor one philanthropy. So uh, Ronald McDonald's Child House or whatever it is, right? Um, but anything along Thank those you. lines. Did you know that, Ron? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a crazy story. So you you go then to FSU. Sure. I was in the Firefighter Academy in Firefighter in Ta- But then you end up taking that firefighter academy over to fsu yep and you get set up in a sting yeah so uh in high school started smoking weed quickly started selling weed because i like i think i've always had like this business mentality you know i didn't like spending money on the thing everyone's smoking weed that i can make some money doing this so uh it started early in high school and um when i thought about going away to college like honestly i wasn't thinking so much about school i was really thinking like the weed business will probably be booming in Tallahassee, a bunch of college kids. I'll finally be on my own. Don't have to worry about, like, trapping out of the parents' house and stuff. And uh, so get up to Tallahassee, and that was really, um, you know, I was going to school but not taking it super serious. I've never really been a great student. And, uh, yeah, I was there for probably only about six months, and some kid got caught selling, like, ecstasy and acid out of his dorm room and just started flipping on anyone that he could to get out of trouble. I was one of those kids. And uh, I start getting texts from FSUPD off of his phone. Obviously, I don't realize it's FSUPD, but they're, uh, they text you, me off you, his phone. You think it's the guy, right? I just think it's the guy. I've met yeah. up with him plenty of times, you know, business as usual. And uh, I also had a, a job at the mall at this time. I was working at Champs. I always kept, like, a regular job while I was doing this because, again, I just wanted to make as much money as I could, so I might as well get a paycheck as well. So I'm on my way to work that morning. I was going to go drop it off. I usually didn't, like, deliver like that, but I had to work that morning. So um, I was like, yeah, man, I'll bring it by on my way to work. So I was going by the Pike House at FSU, which is like 
the craziest party house at FSU. The Pike uh, fraternity is like probably the biggest one in town. You know the Pike, Rob? No. Nope. It's a big deal up there. It's huge, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so this kid lived at the Pike house, and it was like the way that neighborhood was set up is it's a, a huge cul-de-sac, basically, and the Pike house is right in the middle of it, and there's just a big like road that goes around the Pike house. One way in, one way out, though, of this plaza. Oh, not good, huh? Didn't occur to me at the time, <laughs> you know, that it's like an easy setup, you know? It wasn't crossing my mind, really. I drive a motorcycle at this time, too, so I'm on my motorcycle. I got the work in my backpack, and uh, I pull into this parking lot. I look to my—the parking lot's, like, empty. It's, like, 9 a.m. There's no one in the parking lot except for this one Chevy Silverado pickup truck with, like, blacked-out windows. And so I'm on my motorcycle. I'm driving by, and I kind of look to my right at the truck. And through the, the windshield, I can see, like, four dudes ducking down behind the dashboard with, like, tactical vests on. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, like, I, I think I know what this is. So I was pretty much in the place where I should park my motorcycle, get off, and meet this kid. But instead of, like, fuck that, I'm going to just keep going. So I go, I'm driving around the circle, I'm looking behind me the whole time, trying to see if these guys are following me. Doesn't look like anyone's following me, though. So at this time, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe it's not what I thought it was. I should have, like, taken the backpack off and just tossed it somewhere, you know? But it was also like... It was like the heat of the moment. Right. Oh, I, I was was your instinct telling you, get rid of this shit? Yeah, my gut was saying this is bad. Yeah. Um, but also, I was a college kid, and it was like yeah. a thousand bucks in my backpack. I wasn't right. going to just like toss it and move along. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> it was going to take some convincing to get rid of it, and I was just trying <laughs> yeah, to talk you know, myself four out. Yeah, you know, four guys in a car hidden at 9 a.m. with a uh, vest on, that's not a hint. It was wishful thinking, I guess. <laughs> I don't really know. A third-party opinion real quick, uh, and then I'm going to let you jump back. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, Pete is... Very good looking, innocent, like kind of sweet guy now. <laughs> Pete at this time was El Chapo, right? So Pete, <laughs> Pete, like, he, my ways. there's a different identity. And you'll hear it in some of the slang he uses, like, had that work on me and shit. <laughs> like, you wouldn't look at Pete on the street and he's like, you know, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and also, Pete, thank God, it's all behind you, but it, he was moving fucking weight. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like a few dime bags on the weekend to his buddies, yeah. you know. Don't uh, rob a fucking bank with this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> years. He just gave it all up. I'm throwing way <laughs> under the bus. The limitations <laughs> on this stuff. How much I got to cut out of this? Yeah. <laughs> Good, let it ride. Throw the code in. Um, <laughs> Throw the code in. No, so I'll let you jump back, but so when you envision that, Pete, try to envision like a... Eminem and Eight Mile type vibe, you know, right, um, right. down in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a different Pete. Um, <laughs> I've come a long way, but yeah. So at this time, I'm still I'm riding around the cul-de-sac, looking behind me, trying to see if these guys are following me. I don't see anyone following me, so I keep the backpack on. I just say, "Fuck this! I'm going to go to work. I'm leaving." And uh, as I pull around the final corner to like leave the plaza, that same pickup truck is now driving towards me. Like they didn't follow me around the circle; they went the other way to cut me off. And so as soon as I see it driving towards me now, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, this is exactly what I thought it was. The car fucking swerves sideways, stops in the middle of the road, four dudes jump out with guns, get on the fucking ground! And now I look behind me and there were unmarked cars in the parking lot that like pull out of spaces, more guys jump out with guns. And dude, I don't know what the fuck they thought I was going to do or where they thought I was going, but I'm sitting there on my motorcycle, I got my headphones in bumping music, I'm like, I can't hear you. I'm assuming they're yelling, get on the fucking ground. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. They run up, throw me down, and uh, rip my helmet off, and they're like, oh, he couldn't hear us, he had headphones on. And, uh, yeah, man, that was it, I got booked. Um, bonded out that day, and um, went through, like, the court process for maybe the next six or eight months. Um, immediately moved back to West Palm, and um, kind of got my shit together after that. You know, it was one of those things where I decided, I'm, you know, I, I had a good run, but I'm not going to make this mistake twice, you know, like... Uh, 
there was no chance I was going to go down that path and like not get my shit together after fucking up like that. Right. It was like it had to happen. Yeah. At some and point. That's a, that's a, I'm glad you kind of said that because, um, I've like always have been big on the law of attraction and like kind of manifesting your own life. Your thoughts become things. And at that time I was thinking a lot about like, what's the end game here? You know, I can't sell weed forever. I'm not going to even be able to really, really get rich the way I think I want to be in the end of my life by selling weed. So like, What's the end game? But I also knew I wasn't just going to walk away from making that kind of money, you know? It was going to take a lot of convincing to just be like, yeah, I'm hanging it up and I'm going to work a nine-to-five and do it legit. And at the time, it's not like you were thinking of, uh, like, a career. No, You know, right. you, you weren't in FSU for a career right. or whatever. You, you were there to further your drug business. Yes. Which, a business is a business. You know, sure. we always say it, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Whatever you learned in the drug business, you can apply to legal shit. 100%. It just takes a hell of a lot longer to make the money. That's yep. it. Yep. Isn't that crazy how they jump out with, like, 27 guys? Yeah, they were. As if they haven't been following you for a year and a half, and they know you're not going to come out blasting. No, man. I don't know what they thought I was going to do. But I end up, so surprisingly enough, it was my first offense. Um, It was a felony quantity um, and an enhanced charge because technically it was, like, FSU campus because that property is owned by the school. It was, like, far from the actual school, but it's owned by the school, so they hit me with, like, possession with intent to distribute on school property oh nice so like they, they threw in like the chat the tra- or the school zone yeah. school zone that's when you get buried with the tickets and shit yeah man so um i wound up doing 30 days in jail in tallahassee like six to eight months later whenever that court process got all settled um and uh you know it was it was an interesting experience um took a lot away from it learned a lot and like i said came home and got my shit together which was it was realistically probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it really made me refocus my life and figure out what my goals were and start attacking them in like a realistic manner and kind of getting out of the i don't know the the stupid lifestyle that i had kind of developed for myself well had you gotten away you probably would have got bigger and bigger and, and heavier shit, the, the heavier shit and then your little 30 day little bit is now you know right. 15 20 100 which is crazy because I know a lot of guys that were selling weed, yeah. just weed, yeah, and still doing. I mean, they got fifteen years federally. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And I, I, I don't understand how they don't let them out when yeah. you can go right here and buy a weed card, even right. though it's medical. But there's all these other states where it's recreational, and these guys are doing fucking. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. Years. I mean, I went to I went to jail for weed. I, I'm a felon because of weed. Was that I, the charge? Just weed? Uh, yeah, possession with intent to distribute. Now, how does that make you feel when you see this? Now, you, you know. Uh, 30 days is 30 days sure, but still yeah. the fact of the matter is now you can get it anywhere yeah i mean i have my weed card now and go buy weed at the store and it's kind of fucking ridiculous <laughs> isn't it <laughs> the irony yeah yeah but at the same time i'm not like, bitter about it because like i said it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me i wouldn't change any of it i would do it all again and it made me who i am today so and then that led you to the hospitality in- industry right so i came home moved back to west palm and um just got right back on the grind you know i wasn't going to be selling drugs but i was going to work really fucking hard to make as much money as i could and um just kind of hit the street went down clematis started applying for jobs everywhere i could at the bars and restaurants and uh, i got hired at bradley's um i was probably like 17 18 at this time 18 i think and um just kind of worked my way up at bradley's i started in the kitchen then worked through almost every position there until eventually i was bartending and um again just wanted to keep grinding and moving up the ladder even in that industry you know so i reached out to the owners after bartending for a while and i was like hey look i really love the opportunity you guys have given me if you ever are looking for a manager, like I'd love to, I hope you would think of me because I want to keep learning and growing with you. And uh, at this point, I've been bartending for a little bit, you know, I'm making relationships, I'm meeting people. I think I'm 19 years old now and I get a call from the owner 
and uh, they're like, hey, man, you know, my dad, it, it was a son and his dad that uh, owned this restaurant group. And um, like, you know, my dad was telling me that you're interested in management. We don't need any help at Bradley's right now, but we've got this place, Kachina, on Palm Beach Island. If you'd be interested, like, you know, come have lunch with me over there. I can kind of talk to you about what we need. So I go, I meet with him, and um, I w- was made the GM of Kachina on Palm Beach when I was 19 years old, which was another kind of, like, uh, insane. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. It was a... Uh, Another really life-changing moment, probably. That molded me into, again, the person you see today, all the experience that I got there, the stuff I learned, the people I met at such a young age. Running a nightclub, essentially, at 19 years old is a, a pretty insane experience, but it was great, man. Not just a nightclub, a nightclub on Palm Beach Island, right? Where, yeah, like, it's all, like, The clientele's not normal clientele, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, that guy owns a Fortune 500 yeah. company. Yeah. Oh, so does the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, oh, so, jeez, uh, everybody here? Yeah. Does. Everyone, right. Yeah. And and uh, what people shown this was that in your path to being the GM at nineteen, and then mm-hmm. opening another one for them, yeah, you went down Clematis and did the footwork. Yeah, you know, it's like you just said, okay, I'm going to stop selling drugs, go to West Palm. You got to work to get to where you were. One hundred percent. You know, yeah. so congratulations on Thank that. Thank you, man. And then you opened up, uh, was it Dakota? Uh, one two three Deterra. I can never say the two. So yeah, Kachina. When I first started there, um, I don't know if you guys ever been to Kachina. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been there, right? Yeah, yeah. So Kachina opened in two thousand four, and it looked completely different then than it looks today. It got renovated several years ago. So when I first started at Kachina, it was the old Kachina, um, and then when we closed down to renovate at pretty much the exact same time, one two three Deterra opened by the same restaurant group, and uh, so a lot of me and a lot of the staff over there went and opened one two three, which. That's another booming establishment for that restaurant group today. How much hell is that to open up a restaurant? My grandparents had it, and I never saw mm-hmm. them. My, grand- yeah. my grandma and grandpa, they they would live there. Actually, my grandpa lived yeah. there. My grandma would go back and forth, but, yeah. I mean, it was just- It's a grind. And it wasn't a big restaurant like that. You know, this was back Correct. 20 years ago in Pennsylvania. You know. It's a really hard industry, too. I mean, I think 93% of restaurants and bars fail because there's yeah. so much, you know, there. You know, so many- And if you have one bad experience at a bar or restaurant, I ain't never going back again. You know, uh-huh. that, that could be a bad drink, food, server. Um, So- it's hard. It is hard, man. And it's it's never ending. You know, it's a full-time job seven days a week, especially when you're the owner. You know, you think that a lot of the employees in the restaurant world that, like, hope to one day open their own place, I think, think, once I'm the owner, you know, like, the work is over. But it's really not true. Once you own the place, the work never stops. You know, everything's on you now. So Because you get, before, you're you're dealing with the headaches, and then once you can't handle it, goes up the chain to the owner. So now yeah, as the owner, you're dealing with the big, big all ones. The Everything yeah, falls under your umbrella. All the bullshit. Yeah, man. And so, when, like he said, if somebody leaves one bad review on that Google, you, you could destroy a five-star restaurant just with one. 100%. Now, when you were in, in college, yep. right, what did you... What were you thinking you wanted to do? Yeah, so I went up to school. I graduated high school with a 2.4 GPA. I was not a student like Pete uh, said. He, like, same type of thing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I always thought myself not as a smart ass, but, like, I thought different, you know? For instance, I'm going to school, and this guy's teaching me accounting, and I'm thinking... If it was such a good fucking accountant, he'd be a CPA making $300,000 a year. Why is he making $30,000 a year teaching me accounting at a community college? You know, like, uh, good point. And if that is true, I don't want to be learning from the D squad here. You know, like, I want to go to the source. That's the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. You know, so up in college, uh, when I first moved up there, my dad was paying my rent, but I paid for everything else. So life and, and school and everything. 
And even, knock on wood, if when I get really wealthy one day, my kids want to go to college, I'm going to make them pay for it. Because ultimately, in my opinion, you can't respect something unless you're forging the energy that goes into that. A lot of these kids go to college and they're like, why don't they respect it? Why don't you fucking think they respect it? They have a a Florida prepaid plan and they know that it's basically public, it's basically free school, you know, so I can go there and fuck off for four years, get a piece of paper, and then I'm going to be entitled and feel like I'm owed something. Right, because I I have this. Absolutely. You cheated through 99% of your classes. You went there to go, this is what I tell people, you went there to pass, not to learn. You went there to get A's. You didn't soak up anything. You didn't learn. You didn't experience. You didn't get more wise. And then you're done at 22, which in my opinion, I'm 26, almost 27 now. That's a kid still. You're a kid. And now you want to go play with the big boys. You don't know work ethic. You don't know how to talk to people. You don't know how to stand in front of it and, and present. Um, so there's a lot of things where Pete and I go against our grain in our generation, but this entitlement this participation trophy bullshit. Oh, we, this, we this talk whole about thing, that all the time. You bro. know, and this isn't going to get political. It's just the fact. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, in my opinion, think that our generation as millennials and my father's generation likes to shit on us. And I say, who the fuck do you think raised us? But it, it which is their generation, you know, but these, th- this shit that got let go for so long. And now it's becoming an issue of there's not enough people in the workforce. There's not enough people. Oh, I want to get hired tomorrow. I want four weeks off. I want full benefits. Actually, I'm going to be uh, a month in Mykonos in two months. And I want to be your boss's boss in two years. If that's not happening, I'm out. And they, oh, on top of that, I want to make $150,000 a year out of college. Well, they can because they know they'll just get another check in the mail. Correct. And that the working man like me, you, Pete, Rob, that we pay for. Correct. You know, so it's almost doomed to turn into, you know, it's not really political. It's fact. I mean, it's on the way to social or not. Well, it's probably already at socialism, but communism is right around the fucking corner. Mm. They're just to me, in my opinion, and I have no mind to anything. It's a slow walk to communism right now. So do you really think? Gas should be seven dollars. Do you really think they can't get gas? Do you really think there's a fucking food shortage? Mm. Come on. It's tough because you know, Pete and I, I, I again only stick to facts and I only put a certain amount of my energy into this whole thing because it's just draining. If you ever look into politics for a long amount of time, you literally will leave with a headache and you'll be like, <laughs> dude, uh, either literally everyone is uh corrupt, literally the entire game is corrupt. Or I'm going to trust David Muir at nighttime, and that's my life. So it's hard. It's like, you know, which which way am I going to ride? And it de- ultimately depends on the source and who you talk to to kind of get that information and perceive one way or the other. It's really hard for my generation, though, when you have two such strong opinions. And we're in this cusp of we're old enough now. We have careers. We have homes. We're, we're creating our own thoughts. Now we want to vote, all this stuff. But who the fuck do I trust? I got two 50-year-old men here screaming at me, telling me to go one way or the other. So all I would tell anyone to do who's listening is just do your own damn research. And then from there, when the information you have, make a decision based off of your own personality. Listen, I'm not saying anyone should be one way or the other. Um, I see both sides. I was raised with both sides. Um, now with my life, for my benefits, I, I like one side over the other, but that doesn't mean the other side's wrong. Mm-hmm. But my opinion like this is the problem because that's like 10%. Yeah, you're like me. You just want whoever's best. It doesn't matter if it's blue, red, purple, whatever I don't whatever give a shit. Yeah. I don't, that, just that, be successful, be happy, do your thing, bro. Don't tell me what yeah. to do. I won't tell you what to do. Like, you know, that's just it. it it's so fucking corrupt, though. More people, yeah. more people, I think, are, are, are that way or... Are, Becoming that way, as you can say. So, 
I, I really think that the political party bullshit, Democrat, Republican, fuck them all and just vote who you vote for, being independent, Correct. whatever the fuck it wants to be, and just show me the facts. That's it. That's and it's it. so hard because when they get uh, asked a direct question, mm-hmm. they literally... They literally, for two minutes, bullshit answer, and then it's on to the next. And I'm like, dude, how am I supposed to interpret any of this? Because, they, again, they're just waiting for the PACs to put money more back in their pocket, and then they run away rich, you know? And, like, again, both sides do it, so I ain't leaning one way or the other. So I think that hopefully soon people start waking up. Like I, like Rob said, I, I do think a majority of people are like us, quote-unquote the silent majority, but the majority of people are like us where it's like, dude, live your life, be happy. I don't care what you identify as. I don't care who you love. That doesn't mean I, my opinion is going to be different, but do you, bro. I don't give a shit. It's your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people have a hard time doing is like they want to transform their ideal to your world. And it's like, no, I'm my own person. You're your own person. Love yourself. I'm going to love myself and let me do my thing. That, that that's what you hope for, but yeah, right. yeah, but there's so much fucking corruption, yeah. bullshit. You know, it, it, like like you said, yeah. once you get into, you even just get a headache just trying to Correct. think about it because you know, if we go to vote, does it really fucking matter? And that, and that's what half of America thinks right now. You watch two? Have you seen Two Thousand Mules? No. Watch that. And yeah. well, it'll fuck you up. And yeah. that's the thing about the wormhole. Once I kick that door in, there ain't no going back, bro. It's like it's like quicksand, yeah, you know. Fuck, so yeah, my, like for instance, my accountant, he's in that wormhole. Yeah, heavy, 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 <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy. But like two thousand mules is facts. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of video of the mailings and all that other yeah. shit. And you're yeah. seeing it happen again. Yeah. So I mean, who gives a fuck, yeah. right? Now you're done with the hospitality. You open yeah. up all that. What happened with COVID? When COVID happened, that was when you were like, okay, yeah. you were done. Why COVID? Why, why did that set that? So standard? like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of, um, you know, like long-term people in the hospitality industry who take it serious one day hope to like open their own establishment or have something that they own for themselves in that industry. And I was one of those people. I wanted to open my own concept similar to Kachina, you know, nice restaurant, nightclub afterwards, um, you know, and apply all the things that I had learned over the years. And so that was really my only game plan in my mind as far as what my future was is, you know, grind this out, hopefully to the point where I can get some equity with these people and also, you know, go on to the next project with them and and be an owner as well. And um, when COVID happened, that uh, that changed that industry a lot, you know, Um, for a while it was takeout only. So, I mean, as far as a nightclub goes, that doesn't exist anymore. And um not that I thought we would never get back to normal, you know. Obviously, I realized eventually we'd come out of it and nightclubs would go back to what they were. But I think at that point, it sort of got my wheels turning and thinking about, you know, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Being in this industry that's so volatile, like it just got snatched away from us in a second. What if I was the owner of this place, you know? What the fuck would I be doing? And we're watching all these places close, everyone getting laid off, people going out of business. Now, was it the the owner's choice to close because Florida was open pretty much from the gate. Did, did, how long were were they actually saying shutting people down? So or were like, they ever? Because I don't know. Because I wasn't in the, the business. Like when that. we were uh, at this point during peak COVID, I was actually with Lenora's. Um, so like at our Clematis location for Lenora's, um, we had like compliance officers coming by almost on a daily basis to make sure we were compliant with like the occupancy. Once it was takeout, once takeout only was over. We were able to do like 25% occupancy and they'd be coming by to like head count, make sure the tables were six feet apart. They would come with a fucking tape measure and measure that wow. the tables were six feet apart every that. day. And you'd get fined if you weren't compliant every day. Really? Um, yeah. 
And so um, it was serious for a little while. You know, it was definitely more lax than the rest of the country, I'll agree. But in the beginning, you know, we were abiding, we, we were forced to abide by a lot of the regulations. And, How long uh, would you say that they were checking up on you like that? Where, where they were really digging and finding? Like six months. <clears throat> the, really? Like the that first, long, The huh? first six months, yeah. Um, up until the point where it became like 75% occupancy, I feel like that was almost like the turning point where then we were like, all right, what's the difference between 75 and 100? And we kind of like all... It, it started to let up around that time, um, but it was, I feel like it was a six to eight month window where we were really restricted and having to abide by the rules. Now, just off the top of your head, how many, being in that industry at the time, how many uh, restaurants that were good, mm-hmm. you know, well-known, mom and pop probably most, yeah. did you see clothes that had been around for 10, 15 years and boom, that COVID just ended them? Yeah. Um, so, like, thinking of specific examples on Clematis, I'm not sure... Uh, off the top of my head but even if you didn't have to close your restaurant for good it was a serious hit for everybody you know um it drastically affected everyone and like you know being in the position i was in you're able to see the numbers and you know we would always compare numbers to the previous year and for that six to eight months you know it was if you're cutting back to 25 percent occupancy you can only assume that you're going to take at least 25 percent of that money that you made from the previous year you know and a lot of the times it was worse because half the population was scared to leave their house and come out and so i don't know man it was i I can't give you a specific example of anyone that had to close their doors but i know that especially those mom and pop restaurants were hit the hardest because you know it affects their pockets directly yeah because even when you open back up maybe you're open back up but are people going to come because if you turn on that tv you think you're going to fucking die if you walk out the door sure and you know employment was a weird thing too like we had to lay off a ton of our employees when we first went down to takeout only because you pretty much only need like one person to run takeout only um so we lay off basically our entire staff and then once things get back to normal and we got to bring people back in we're calling back a lot of the staff we're we're lining up interviews to bring in new people, thinking people are going to be dying to work. You know, they must be eager to get back to work and make money. They got that check. It was impossible to get employees. <laughs> it was like insane. We would line up 10 interviews for the day, right? Out of the 10 interviews, maybe two would show up because I think that was like one of the requirements to be able to get your unemployment check. You had to show that you were like lining up interviews and making an effort oh to get a job. God. But I don't think you had to actually show up to the interview. So like two out of the 10 would show up. Hopefully out of those two people, one of them's a decent candidate. And it was almost a guarantee that they were going to be like, so how much can I expect to make per week here? Because they're gauging, is it going to be more than the unemployment check that they're getting for doing nothing? Right. And when we're running at 25, 50% occupancy, we weren't like necessarily making crazy money. So a lot of the times the answer wasn't more than that unemployment check. So it was like impossible. The turnover was crazy. In a time where you think people were desperate for work, no one wanted to work. And for people that don't know, if they're not from Florida, Lenore's has been around forever. Yeah. That old man, I know the old man. He, mm-hmm. He's been around forever. Ralph. Ralph, yeah, yeah. Ralph. I'm, yeah, I mean, forever. So, I mean, before, that's a place where people want to go because of the yeah. reputation and, and everything else. And, you know, it's quality food. And when people don't want to work, I remember at that same time period, even like six months ago. Yeah. I would go to get like a tire, like a new tire on my car or an oil, just something small. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, we don't have any workers, man. It's going to yeah. be two months. I'm like two months. Yeah. And then I would go somewhere else. Same thing. Crazy, man. You, you know, it was just unbelievable. People not working. So then first the business has to deal with the COVID in general and all that bullshit. Yeah. Then you open up and you have to deal with the people getting the balls to come back out to go in public. Yeah. Yep. Then you get them to come back out. Now you can't get anybody to work, to work. because they're they still got a little bit of that check left. Yeah, 
So like COVID to me, it seems like it did one of two things. Like you, it got you out of the hospitality industry and you, you got into your own thing. You guys, you know, started your podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll get to. Yep. And you know, you COVID, I don't know. You did. <laughs> construction industry is like real, <laughs> construction industry is like real estate industry right now. It's uh, Boom. it's ridiculous. Fucking. Nuts, and right? we never stopped at all through COVID because we were considered emergency work. Construction work is emergency work. So um, you hit the jackpot on that one, buddy. We had two weeks because people forget like now I'd say it's a 50 50 split along the atmosphere but like March 20th 2020 when that shit went out it was literally like I walk outside I'm dead boom done um and that was the vibe I you know you literally you'd walk past someone and like duck away because it was very scary because they'd show video of people walking down the street on, in, in Asia just dropping like flies and you're like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like I'm gonna chill at home actually you know like <laughs> yeah. but there's only so much Netflix and shit you could watch and like and then you're just like dude I'm, I'm losing my mind and what people don't understand is the biology of a human if you put put them inside and then on top of that give them anxiety but that is a recipe for fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, yo, here's a blank check actually too. I'm going to print mm, $7 trillion and hand it out to you guys. I don't want to expect inflation on the backside. But here's your money. Don't feel entitled and don't feel like you have to work. And like that's the irony behind the whole thing for me is like I'm a very straight thinker. And I do feed through, see through some of the bullshit. Like I said, I just see facts. And like what Pete said, that whole recipe... That's not a recipe for someone to say, damn, man, I could either work from 4 to 11 tonight or I could sit on my couch and have a hell of a night. No, it's a recipe for control is what Correct. it is. Can you pull up a tab too? Yep. Now, at what point after you drop out of college does your dad allow you to start running the construction business? So what happened was is I did the two semesters. I'll never forget. I was in the second semester paying for school, like I said, and, and uh it was just started, and I was in a business calculus class. Now, I've been in business for six years. I don't know what the fuck business calculus is. <laughs> but I remember I bought a 200... Does anybody ever use... Cal- Have you ever used calculus? It's fake. Uh, it's literally a foreign language. Um, no. I don't no. So. Have you? No. Have you? Not a math guy. It, my I, stepbrother went, and it was this calculus, calculus, calculus bullshit, and I haven't used it a day in my life. But, I don't even know what it is this day. I just and you're like a coder. You're like, yeah. yeah, you'd be the guy to use calculus, I feel like, I, you know? I, I, don't even, I, could, if, if, I don't even know the definition of it. That's what I'm saying. I think they just throw smoke bombs, and it's like calculus is one of them, you know, and we're going to throw an AP test on. I, I'm just stupid. But uh, anyways, I'm in a business it's calculus like philanthropy. Test. I don't really know what it means. Yeah, yeah. It it's a factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm in this class. I'm almost falling asleep because I don't care. And uh, I remember, again, back to, like, the voices in your head, and you just get shifts in life. I remember getting kind of popped up. I was 30 minutes into a two-hour class and saying, I'm, I'm done, dude. Closed my book. Walked up out of class. The guy on the way out said, where are you going? I said, bathroom. I walked to my car. On the way to my car, I called my, my, my mom first, and I said, I already knew what I was going to say. I said, Mom, I know what this means. I said, and you know as a parent, I always see the other side. I said, I know as a parent, you want me to have security as, as your child, and you want me to have something to fall back on. But I'm not a fall back on guy. And, and, and that's not like a hard statement. That's not me being a badass. That's me like, I don't like ceilings in life. I don't like directions, really. I like kind of digging until I hit gold, and then, okay, I, that, that's a lesson. I'll, I'll go to the next Good one. Good move, by the way. Uh, going to mom first to smooth it oh, over. Oh, 100%. You know, I, and, and I'm a mom's boy, you know. she. But but ultimately, I when I make decisions in life from then to today, I'm, you're not going to change my mind. Um, so called her, told her that. She's like, Nick, I understand. And I said, also with this, I know I'm completely on my own. I'm not going to ask you guys for a dollar or a dime. 
Um, you know, I was working part-time at a restaurant. I was just a server at a sports bar. And I knew that mean I was going to go full-time on that, which I had already leaned on. I already thought about my head. And I said, I'm not going to pay for something I don't know if I'm going to use. I'm going to experience the world. And when I learn things and I, and I take a mental note of, boom, I like that. Or I like retail or I like insurance or real estate, whatever it is. Then I will go and pursue that path and whatever that means. But I'm not going to go to school for a business degree and get out and, and wear a button-on shirt, make $40,000 a year and be miserable. Why? Why would I do that? So That's before taxes too, by the correct. way. Correct. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but in our defense, in our generation's defense, that's what we were fed as ch- kids. It was go to college, get a degree so you can get a job and, and work not hard like me. You know, and, and that, that was it. That kind of rhymes. I don't see a point. <laughs> I don't see a point in college unless you're a dentist, doctor, that's nurse, lawyer. That- Other than that, I mean- What's the point? You're going to go there and what? You're going to come out. You're either going to be fucked up for four years or you're actually going to sit there like a, like a, I don't know, like a robot Mm -hmm. and learn some shit and get out. You're probably going to use 1% of it and have a $60,000 loan. If you're lucky, only 60. Now you got forever to pay it. Correct. But when you get out, if you're not fortunate and you don't have family that can help you out or you don't have a skill where you can get a job, you have that fucking loan forever. Yeah. For what? One way or another, you're paying on that loan. You may not have to pay it at all now, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. So I, yeah, free school that is hang out. And That's fuck my around. point. And you think they're going to respect that? No way. Yeah, who's going to take free school? Uh, that serious. Well, right. So they'll pay for the that, and then nobody will have any money to be able to drive to school. Correct. Well, because that would just make the thing go up, and then give, they'll give money for that too. Then oh, okay. free well, Yeah. Well, then they will have full fucking control. Then yeah. that's probably what's around the corner. So I called dad after mom, and I said, same thing. I said, Pop, you know, uh, I get where you're coming from. But also, I had the argument of, like, you can't tell me to go to college when you guys didn't go to college, assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I, and you guys are happy and, and ses- successful in your own means. So, you know, but I said, you know, I'm going to go experience life. I'm not going to go sit on my ass and, and expect something. I said, I'm going to go try different sectors and see what I like the best. And when something hits my heart, I'm going to run with it. So at that time, I I dove deeper. I was probably 20 at the time, dove deeper into CrossFit. I was working on the weekends at a local sports bar in Orlando. And then during the week, I would coach the mornings. I, li- I lived at the gym like six hours a week. I mean, six hours a day. I was there all day, every day. And CrossFit was my life. I was trying to become a CrossFit athlete. And it just, that was it. I was 20, 21 years old. And it was just great. And then um, 21 rolled around. And uh, I had this shift in life where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a CrossFit coach because either I have to own a gym, but then my relationship with fitness and health gets skewed because now I'm there to make money, not there to change lives and help myself. And and I was always starting to get that when you're in a gym for eight hours a day, like you don't want to work out like because you're there. It's like saying working at a restaurant saying you want to eat that food. You're like, nah, bro, I see it cooked every day, you know. Um, so it was hard for me to have a good relationship with it. So I started looking down different things and I've always been a person. I've never... I put in one job application in my life that I didn't have a connection to. I've never actually put in a job application in my life. Maybe when Dixie when I was 14, but uh, it's always been a job that I've gotten the interview on off rip because I knew the person. I'm all about connections. I'm all about meeting people, good energy. It's it, always networking. It, 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 it's, it's always anybody networking. successful, it's always networking. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, so Nick, when did Pops give you give you the construction? So job? we're partners. Um, so the way that, that worked is um, – after the two years, I, I, I was 21 at the time. I called up my dad and I said, Dad, boy, did I never think I was going to say this, but uh, I'm considering construction. And my dad is a blue collar as blue collar guys come. I come home from work after he busted his ass all day as a kid growing up, you know, drywall mud on his head, dust on his pants, ripped jean shorts. Um, but the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. Uh, he knew what hard work was. And, and as a kid, you think you know. 
And then you get your eyes open to like, holy shit, you know, that wasn't actually working. Scroll down a little bit, Rob, because just the few that are, you put up on here. Uh, I, I got to get better at. So, I, I like yeah. the, uh, I like the, what is that, that's koozie? Yeah, that's nice. It's yeah, nice. we wrap that around. And so, um, but as blue collars, it comes where it's like, we never took before and after pictures of any of the projects we did because it was like, show up the first day, start demo, boom. Like we not, yeah. you know. Um, that's the one there with the roofs. I was like, okay. Yeah, so we- Because that's what it was, right? Correct. So this was in Boynton. This was uh, in a development where they wanted to blow out the front. They wanted to create that garage into an extended garage and then create a fourth bedroom there. Um, took the whole roof off. This was two years ago, I think. That's and um, it's been an amazing ride. You know, when I first came down as an entitled millennial, I will admit myself, I thought, you know, I'm going to get into the business. I'm going to do like marketing, whatever. I want to ask you about yep. that though. When, when you do that, when you blow that out yeah. and you added a garage to it. Yeah. So uh, the picture in the center there, that's the original picture, right? So I had a carport there where that carport is now is now the backside of that fourth bedroom. And then we extended the garage out about another 10 feet. Oh, wow. Um, that did a hell of a job. Yeah, that was in, it was just old golf community vibes. And uh, and so we went in and gutted it. Obviously, you saw it to the bone. <sighs> so, you know, when you do that type of work with your MEPs, uh, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, you got to cut the slab, move stuff. So um, also, they had a patio in the back that we blew out, and that was living room space. And then how long did that take to do, that blowout? That job was 2020. That was during COVID. So that was one of the ones that, you know, we were steamrolling through. And I would say about 11 months. Not bad. Uh, uh, man, that, no. That's a big job. So I would consider our company, I would say, like, to compare industries, like a small coffee shop, but super, like, niche. And, you know, what happened was is my dad uh, – was always a blue collar guy, 18 years old, started installing windows, worked with his hands and high rises in Fort Lauderdale. He was born and raised and that was just his life. And then he's a natural leader though. And he's a micromanager and he has an expectation that's hard for people to reach to even myself. And, uh, and so he, when he was in his late twenties, after being in that industry for a while, uh, he, he married my mom. And he said, I kind of want to do this contracting stuff. So in his twenties, he did that, and then he bounced around between subcontracting to a certain set. did a lot of cultured marble and bathtubs and all that stuff. And then in the early 2000s, he got a partner in which they started building single-family spec homes in Port St. Lucie. So uh, the guy was fronting the capital. He was building the homes, basically split it down the middle, and uh, that's when the market was rolling in the early 2000s. They were handing out mortgages and anyone who had a heartbeat, and people were buying. And, uh, and so he did great. It was great. It was like, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth grade, you know, our family was booming and, uh, making great money. We lived a humble life. And, um, then 2008 happened. And my dad, who was a very analytical, skeptical guy to his, you know, benefit for the most part in his life was late to the party with the investing in 2008. So a lot of his blue collar guys who were going out here buying condos, selling them before the building was even done being built and making 100K. Yeah. And you're at a poker game on Friday night. Your buddy's telling you about this <laughs> and you're like, I know I'm smarter than that guy. He just made six figures signing two pieces of paper. I might want to do that too. So after seeing it so many times, my dad went and bought a lot of property in Port St. Lucie where we were going to build homes and, and uh, invested in a condo and, and, and was just fronting all this stuff. And right when he fronted it is when, is when it hit. So... It was really hard for him, but that man, uh, to his respect, he is the hardest working non-quitter blue collar guy you could ever imagine in your life. 
um, he, he would die on the sword for his business and what he built. And what people don't understand too, is as a business owner, it's a baby, it's a child, you know? And it's like, well, you built it, you yeah, know, you it, built it from nothing, from nothing. You, you were there when, you know, you had Raymond noodles, Correct. And, so you could do a job, you were short on Correct. this and that. So now if somebody wants to find your construction, yeah. company, what's the best way to try to find you guys? So we're I mean, at, blowing out a garage yeah, like that is yeah. no fucking joke. Yeah. So when the market hit, my dad... I don't think any of my engineers got to do that. No. Blown <laughs> out of garage and then putting on, I mean... I, I find that amazing when you just see... I never have vision. Like, Millie's good with that. She'll be like, oh, if you move the wall here, if you do this, which I'm going to talk to you after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some ideas in my house I want to ask you about. But, yeah, just blowing out walls and seeing how you can open up a kitchen or... Yeah. Switch a door from here to here, like it's so. F- you you should see what vision. this guy did with his own house. It's beautiful. It takes a lot of years of experience because now when I'm demoing something, it's weird. Like uh, to your engineering world, it's it's like a AutoCAD type thing. But as I'm walking through the place, I'm literally closing my eyes and and framing walls up in my head. But there's so much backside to it because if I frame this wall here and I got to bring plumbing to it, but the plumbing's over there, I got to move the plumbing. Well, if I got a toilet coming here, that that plumbing supply to the toilet's got to be seven inches above the finished floor because it can't be in the baseboard. Well, what size is the baseboard? So there's like a million little things that go in just a fucking toilet. So as a GC, you never stop because you got to be seven steps ahead. And at the same time, you got to be ordering material, scheduling shit. So there's Make no sure it gets in on time. And it's an art, right? It, I, I, it, from what you're saying, because we, we had a, one, a, a premier artist in here last week. It, it sounds like it's an art. Yeah. Like what you do is a form of art. It, it's, it's, it's a dance. It's a very mm-hmm. choreographed dance. And if you ain't two-stepping right, you're, you could fall on your ass bad. And... Um, you know, for my dad, like like when, when everything dropped and he had a, do I quit and be a normal construction guy for the school system or do I, you know, continue? And he rode that out. He went from making a lot of money to renovating little stores in Fort Lauderdale, you know, to pay his guys. He had a crew of two at the time. He would take the aluminum windows out of a place that he was renovating go to the dumpster after work, smash out the glass, take the aluminum, recycle it, and that's how he pay his guys that check that week. That's, that's called a man. That's mm. that's the type of... That's called a fucking man. It, it's and and it's, it's, I get chills even talking about it now because that is, is the type of stuff that people in that grit that people don't have anymore. It's nope. like, it's there wrong. is no plan B. No. I'm either not eating tonight or I'm smashing this glass out and I'm fucking getting the aluminum. The go-getters are gone. The, they're just gone. I don't want to say gone because yeah, we're there. Between. Right? Uh, okay, when I, okay, when I say gone, okay, and, and if I had 200,000 people, how many do you think out of... Almost extinct. Think, That's what it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On 200,000. We'll make it easy. On 100,000. How many do you think are go-getters? 100%. They'll take the fucking... 100%. You? Yeah. 100 1%? out of 100,000. 100 out of 100,000? Sure. What do you think? Yeah, probably. So. I think 50. And then when you multiply that with what's in the world, yeah. it's what, it's, 350 million we're, people we're, in the world? We'd be compared to the endangered species. Yeah. We're yeah. Endangered oh, we're fucking endangered. Right oh, yeah. We're fucking endangered yeah. for sure. It's tough, too. But that's the type of stuff that no words need to be said. Uh, it wasn't wax on, wax off type things. I just saw what he did, and I felt that energy. And now a standard was set. A temperature was set in room, and now I got to live up to that shit. So he went from just renovating, and then he got into a network of a very um, elite group, high tax bracket. He worked on the island for a few years. He did work on a cruise ship called The World, which is basically a floating condominium. Um, and uh, And so he got into this exclusivity of being in this in certain clientele and then our projects so that was the sickest project i've ever done go uh 
So this is my guy's just finishing. This is a condo we work at at North Palm. Um, Which one is that? Go uh, back uh, middle. No, no, down. So this was a house we built in Pompano. Right in the center, yep. House we built in Pompano. Right. What you see there is a seamless entry into the back patio. There's a water behind it, but those are called bifold impact doors. And those doors slide all the way to the right so you got an open breeze. Oh, now, yeah. on the front side of the house, we put a big-ass pivot door so you can literally open. So that's a wine wall there. Damn. We, Sick. Yeah, we have a, a granite countertop that goes right into the wall there. Um, but this is the type of shit. Okay, so as a GC, right, you have that. This, for instance, right? But you have that uh, bar top that goes into the wall, right? Mm-hmm. At that wall, it's inch and five ace framing. So how am I going to put a three? This one right here. Yep. How am I going to put a three hundred pound granite countertop into an inch and five ace 20, 20 gauge metal? That's not going to hold it up. So six months ago, I had to put backing in that wall to hold this granite countertop that I didn't even know yet. So those are the type of steps where it's like, okay, well, these are questions I got to ask. And if you don't know those questions, then you'll get screwed on the backside. Yeah, you're going to blow up, bro. You're going to blow up <laughs> because, because, because you look at it way differently. It, it, That's what I'm saying. You yeah. look at it like an artist. It, you do because you're picturing what you're going to do. That's an artist. And, and, and then you make it happen. And then it. you have all the variables around it. And it's I want him to tell me. Tell me about his house. What did he do? It's beautiful, man. Um, so yeah, how quick did you flip it? 30 days? 30 days, yeah. Yeah, so you, I don't know. You just walk in and... From the outside, it's it's a big property, and I don't know if you want me to say where you live, but it's a big property. And from the outside, it looks like a pretty modest house, but when you walk in, it just is completely transformed and renovated and beautiful on the yeah. inside. And to hear that he did it in 30 days. That's the best way to do it, right? Like, you get a, an okay house right. that isn't going to kill you, right, and right. then you renovate the inside. So people look on the outside, ah, uh, you know, yeah. eh. but then they walk in, and they're like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. great the if you're looking for like a girlfriend. Wide open. Yeah. It's, it's great, man. You killed it. <laughs> but it's also the bones of it, too, right? So it's hard because all these flippers in this industry now and the YouTube flippers and all that shit watch HGTV twice and think they could flip You have out. nothing to worry yeah. about. I've, I've looked... When I had the engineering company looking for general contractors, even now, they're all on fucking drugs down here. They're fucked up. They'll show up for a little while until they get a couple paychecks, and then they don't come back because I I redid my house. I got like an okay house, and then I redid the entire inside, and I went through five general contractors, and all of them were beasts. But once they got that money- I could tell, you know, a little bit later, yeah. you know, all right, this one's on pain pills. Yeah. Right, I got another week, but this fucker better start calling, <laughs> yeah. you know. And what, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, phone number, email, we'll have it all in the description. Yeah, yeah, while so I, I would say best to call me directly. Um, and uh, like I said, it's it's just my dad and I in the company. We have subcontractors we use the last 20 years. They're like family. Uh, it, con- construction industry is interesting because it's almost like a barber who's renting a chair in a barbershop or a tattoo artist renting a chair at a tattoo shop. They're part of the entity, but yet they make their own money and they're their own entity in itself. So my subcontractors are ultimately part of my team, but yet they're their own LLC. So it's a hard dynamic to have because you want to push them like a kid to be more. But if you piss them off too much, they just won't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird relationship and trust you got to have because ultimately they're they're building the bones of what I call my product. Um, So there's a lot of trust that goes there. And I, I completely understand because one of the other reasons why I, I closed the engineering yeah. firm was the envy. Because once we started doing bigger jobs, now that pool that was, you know, I've said this before, but that pool that was, say, 15K my cost, right? Exact same pool, Boca, permit, this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. That same engineer, you know, structural, yeah. civil, blah, blah, blah. Now that pool is 25K my cost. Correct. Right. 
and this started happening more and more and more and then just before it got crazy among other reasons you know it was just time to go it, you know it's a sketchy industry it's like going to a car mechanic and the guy's like yeah your radiator's broken you're like i don't even know where the fuck that is um and he's like yeah if you jump on the highway today, you're probably gonna die and you're like okay well here's 400 bucks take my radiator out. i don't even know what a radiator is is it broken it's just a sketchy industry because as a contractor i could sell you anything and you're like i don't know enough about it mm, yep. back to our school system the fact that that's not even something that's even touched on but you know ap ecology is whatever that is um <laughs> but but knowing how to swing a hammer or screw a screw is like foreign yeah. um i don't know yeah i'm terrible I, it, it and so i so i mean i i went to yeah. high school and i never got taught how to like nothing caught a piece of wood straight yeah, you know, what, happened shop class? what? <laughs> what happened to shop class you what happened to shop class it was a selective uh selective thing they need to teach financial literacy as a mandatory thing in high school they need to teach uh self-respect and emotional emotional intelligence in high school they need to teach how to work with your hands they need to teach how to pay taxes how to write an actual letter i went to go write a, a fucking old-fashioned letter right the other day and i said where do i put the address in the middle or the top left yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, an issue bro yeah. like yeah i can't read cursive for my clients who are 80 years old you know like because i'm just typing so you know how many people i know your age and your age that do not know how to write a check and i'm not yeah. one to talk because yeah. i didn't know either yeah i didn't know either i would just give it to somebody else and have them do it sure but so i'm guilty as well but it's because relating to what we're right. talking about they're not teaching you they're shit not. that you actually use right you know and to your wormhole thing is that intentional <sighs> that's a wormhole but yeah uh you know it, it's hard and it makes i think that's a fact yeah. It depends of the way you view it, Tommy. I ain't going to go down that wormhole. But, okay. Uh, but. <laughs> all right. All right. Pete, 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 you're with me here. Uh, now, now, Nick, let me ask you something. Did you not just say that there's nothing you learned in college or would learn or even fucking high school that you apply today in your business? Other than maybe eight, like plus and minus and shit like that. My view on college is, is hard. The, the, it's the, hard because... This is one of these guys that they'll never admit it. Geometry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, geometry it's like if I say, what color is this? Oh, listen, <laughs> listen. That could be an okay. awful... That's a, well, this is the last part of the podcast we're going to get into. <laughs> I don't believe anything. All right? This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime rate in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen, they act shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora's identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all combine into one easy-to-use app. Aurora monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. Don't put your family at risk. Try Aurora free for two weeks and see if your personal identifiable information has leaked to the dark web. Start your free trial at Aurora, A-U-R-A dot com backslash M-S-C-S. Link is in the description below. But yeah. um, I point, like, I point like being, the, if you thought that this was red, yeah, this this would be red yeah. until I say, "Fine, fucking, it's red, Nick." But what if I identify as a colorblind and I don't know the color of that? Ooh. You know, wormhole, boo! I got it again, Tommy. Uh, uh, uh. But you already made eye contact. With, <laughs> with <your parents. laughs> um, no, but my relationship with college is hard, right? Because I, I find it almost makes me angry type of relationship because I feel like they're taking advantage of it. You know, on the front side with student loans, with interest rates that kids don't even know what an interest rate is, and they're they're going to kick their ass on the backside, and then you know, getting preached that we need to, and then these colleges making so much money you know you need to buy the new book to get the code and those companies 
bending us over. And like I said, it was preached down our throat. And um, it makes me upset because when I dropped out, I looked at my buddies who similar personality to me. And I was like, no offense to them, but they're not going to get just like me. They're not going to get places through their intelligence or their downloading of information. They're going to get through places through their personality in the network they make. What's your point of view on one hour college at this point, Rob? I mean, I went four years. He's the only one who went. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> us yeah, three guys yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I used to always say it was like the experience. Like, yeah, party, did cool stuff. But I did get, for me, like I got like hands-on experience when it came to TV, working a camera, running stuff. You had NBC, Philadelphia, where we had internships at, you know, hands-on stuff. So the first two years of college, in my opinion, is bullshit. Mm -hmm. The first two. Pre-rex. Because it's all the bullshit. Yeah, so you've got to take a history class. you got to take this class. I took a weightlifting class. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? <laughs> In college? Uh, yeah. They weightlifting class? Yeah. You get credit for that? Yeah, I got credit for it. It's cool. Oh, they got like karate classes and yeah, shit. No, that's it's, cool. it's a joke. But yeah, it's cool. But like, but, I'm, but going, waste, yeah. I'm a business major. Why am I taking a karate class? You know, but, it, but, I, but what I think they should do, I think college should go to, and I know they have programs now and things like that, but this should be only be two years. Unless you're going to be a doctor, of course, you're going seven years, but... Do the shit in high school, get credits for whatever college be done, and go for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to be a veterinarian or a, a TV guy, that's what you should just be doing. It should be that's only it. veterinarian, right? Correct. That's it. None of Only the, veterinarian. You know, Christopher Columbus. Not karate. I, I learned about yeah. him already. I, I get it. Yeah, NST. Like, come on. Like, yeah, we learned it as <laughs> But I think, to your point, too, like, did you know that you wanted to be, that you had a future in TV, or like, that was the industry that you wanted to be in when you were going to college? I did because in high school I did like uh, you know high school TV thing and would do the announcements. right the announcement. I really want to be a sports broadcaster. <laughs> right. So, but you took the right steps. You know, like you already kind of had an idea of the career path you wanted, and then you went and got that experience sort of in college. Like you said, it's longer than it should have been. Yeah. But at least like you then well, got a degree in something and then got a career in it. I don't think that's the case for most people that go to college. They go get a general degree. No, and then I, go home and serve at Outback for five years. And then you have, like, your college, uh, what are they called? Um, and not admissions, college... Uh, Council, 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 council. Mm. Oh, fuck. Boy, that job is the best job in the world. Yeah, because yeah. all they do is they go... And you get a ton of time off. Oh, what do you think you want to do with your life? <laughs> you know, like I have a friend who went to school, <laughs> and the first three years he had no clue what he wanted to do. He's just there, pick, throw, throw it in the air and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. And he didn't pay for school, like you said. His dad paid, so whatever. Fuck it. He's drinking. Mm -hmm. He's doing this. Doing this. Kind of like, you know, what I think I could see you. You could. You definitely have the personality where you could be a businessman. And then, like the next week, he's like, oh, "I'm going to be a business." You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then the next week, it was something different and something different because he had no idea what he wanted to be. And that and that, that was counselors getting paid. And that was a decade ago or more. Yeah. You know, imagine now. We just had someone on our podcast recently that said they changed their major twelve times Pops while up. they were in college. <laughs> 12 times. 12 times. It's a, it's a money racket. Is it is. And it makes become. me, it's, like, I get angry. And, and and so what I would tell people these days, like, when I talk to my fiance about with our kids, because she's on the opposite side. And that's what I love about that balance. You know, she went to undergrad for, and with pre-med, and then she went to grad school down here at Nova for, uh, she's a physical therapist. So Good grad school her. in physical therapy. Um, she's a badass. But she got that degree. So she did seven years post-high school. I did point five, you know, um, so I have my opinion, which is strong and she has her opinion of education does matter. Um, what I am going to tell my kids is before I give you a dime, you're going to try several different things. Yep. But even to my fiance's point, there's some days where she's like, why did I do physical therapy? And I get it. We all have those days. But what I would tell my kids, if they want to go to undergrad for pre-med and then physical therapy for graduate school, 
I want you to go intern for free at a physical therapist shop for two months over yep. summer before I pay a cent. If after those two months you love, I had all a, right, I had we're in. I'm in. But you're going to for free because you do something for free, you have a whole different perspective. Have an internship. I never there. got paid for an internship. Not one 100%. time ever. It was always and man, it was hours, yep. hours, hours, hours. No pay. Just mm-hmm. to get the experience to do it. That's the way to do it. Because if you do something for free and you don't finish it saying that was the most miserable thing in the world, that's that's for you then, in my opinion. Like, if, if that's a win if you say, I'm never doing that again in your life. And I think they got to tell kids, you know, going in, listen, if you want to be a teacher, be a teacher. That's Correct. great. You know, if, if you want to be whatever you want to be, be it, if that's what really is in your heart. But know that if you're going to go to the University of Florida or Florida State or wherever you're going to go, and a teaching, and and it's going to cost you, let's say, sixty thousand dollars a year. Let's just pretend you're going to take a loan out for sixty. So do the math: sixty, one twenty, one eighty, two forty. Let's just pretend it's sixty. Mm-hmm. Was that year, calculus right? you just did? I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's Don't ask. So, so, but so then, but you're only going to get paid your top salary after so many years. Maybe is fifty grand have a hard time paying that loan back it's going to yeah. take a long time but they don't tell them that oh yeah i take the loan and yeah take get it paid nothing ah, stay another year yeah. party another year it's, that's right. you know now how do you you're done with the hospitality COVID happens yeah and then how does how do you go from hospitality to yeah. tattooing i mean that's quite quite a switch and I, I understand if it was maybe like a subconscious love sure you know what i mean so but, uh, how, how did that transform into what it did? So I've been an artist my whole life. Um, as a kid, I used to just draw and paint at home for fun. I've, I've always been artistic. And uh, I went to Bach Middle School of the Arts around here. It's um, you know a school you audition to get into for you know different majors. They have like theater and vocal and all sorts of things. But I went for visual arts. So every day, like um, from sixth to eighth grade, instead of having regular electives, um, we had like fine arts classes. So you'd go and learn about fine art, you know, and, and how to practice, you know, sculpting, painting, drawing from, you know, an art teacher. And, um, I loved it then and learned a lot, you know, uh, but was a little burnt out, I think by the time I got out of, uh, middle school of the arts. So I went to Dwyer regular public high school. I also wanted to play like football and baseball and stuff. And, uh, the arts high school didn't have a great sports program. Um, so after that, I mean, the extent of like my art practice was really like graffiti and, um, you know, like doodling on my math homework. And, um, I was into getting tattoos at an early age, but like when I was in art school, I was a good artist. Uh, but there were some kids there that were like insanely naturally talented, you know, like they would set up still lifes for us in class to like draw like a bowl of fruit or something. I could draw the bowl of fruit really well. It looked great. But there was this kid that sat next to me named Stanley and he was like insane. When we were in sixth grade, he would bring in like baseball cards or like they were like football baseball like player cards where they would be like guys on their pads running with the ball. And he would draw it identical to the picture on the card. And that wasn't our assignment for the day or anything. That's just what Stanley felt like drawing. And it would be identical. And he's using like a little mechanical pencil. I've got like an $80 ebony pencil set. <laughs> and this kid was just naturally insane, you know? Well, his so, name is Stanley, so he's kind of got to have something that out. Him, right? no, he also had gold teeth in sixth grade, which is pretty oh, nuts. What the fuck? Yeah, it was dope. <laughs> um, but anyway. Definitely sticks out. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I want to forget that guy. <laughs> but growing up, I sort of thought that the guys who became tattoo artists were guys like Stanley. Because if someone brings you a picture of their grandma, they got to be able to tattoo grandma on them just like the photograph. And that's what I was witnessing this kid do. I couldn't do that back then. And uh, so, you know, I knew I was an artist, but I didn't think I like had that, you know. And um, 
as I get older, I'm getting tattoos. I've always knew I wanted to be covered in tattoos. And uh, thank God, like, the hospitality industry is very tattoo-friendly, so it was never really an issue in progressing in that career. And um, so fast forward to COVID time. I um, I don't know why, as the industry that I was in was, like, in turmoil, I thought it was going to be a good idea to go get my hands and knuckles tattooed. But I, I did. <laughs> I made this appointment to go get my hands and knuckles tatted, like, peak COVID restrictions. And um, I, I'd been good friends with my tattoo artist for a while. Um he owned a shop down in Coral Springs called Unforgettable Link. Wicked, talented artist, insane with portraits, and um, just a super talented artist. And I go down there, I'm getting my hands and knuckles tattooed by him. He had just gotten some words across his forehead tattooed on him. Not like literally the middle of his forehead, it was like his hairline. And it was like this crazy gothic font that you like can't even really read. To this day, I still don't know what it says on his forehead. <laughs> I was just going to ask what it says. I don't know what it says, but I felt like it was rude to ask. You know? Yeah, I want to ask. No, either. right. Yeah. But it looks cool, you know? Yeah, it, it looks cool. It fits him. Right. Yeah. He's got his whole head tattooed, so oh, okay. it, it wasn't even... So it fits him with everything else. Yeah. So. You got to uh, say, like, I love that, and then see what he says back to you. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so no, you got to ask him if he loves that in 20 years. Right. Or yeah. 30 we'll years. We'll see, you know? So anyway... He loves it. I, um... I'm sitting there, he, he tags the tattoo artist that did this crazy tattoo on his head. And I'm looking at this guy's page, and all he does is this crazy gothic font. That's all this guy tattoos. And he's got like an insane following, clearly an established tattoo career, and not a single grandma portrait or even like a rose, nothing. He just does this crazy font that he made up. And I was like, oh shit, you know, like you don't have to do all styles of tattooing to be a tattoo artist. You can sort of just have your own niche and focus on that. And at that time, like I said, like really all I had been doing was like graffiti and calligraphy at the restaurants. We always had like specials boards with like whatever today's special was. I've got great handwriting and calligraphy skills. So I was always the guy to draw those. So I was thinking at the very least, like I can do what this guy does, you know, like I can do fonts. I can do little pictures like that. I don't know if I can do portraits. So it kind of opened my eyes up that, you know, you don't have to be like Stanley to be a tattoo artist. I could do this too. It's a skill I could learn. It was when it like clicked because you're like, I don't need to draw faces perfect exactly. and an image perfect. I can find my niche and it will work. And focus on that. So it, I'm sitting there getting my hands and knuckles tattooed and I'm like, man, if I wanted to, I'm talking to my artist, if I wanted to get involved in tattooing or get started doing this, like where, where would I start? And he laughed a little bit and was like, can you draw? And I told him everything I just told you guys. And he's like, oh, all right, man, we'll come by the shop whenever you want. I'll teach you. Like, you can do exactly what I do. You, I just got to teach you. I was like, okay, bet. I don't think he, if he knew how serious I was when he said that, but I went home, I watched a shitload of YouTube videos on any equipment that you would need, ordered a bunch of stuff, and I was in his shop like three days a week, still working full-time in the restaurants, but I'd go down to his shop as much as I could and, and shadow him, watch him work, learn from him, go home, watch YouTube videos all night long on other people tattooing and them teaching. And uh, I also had a crazy roommate at this time who would let me come home and practice on him. So I got a lot of <laughs> my first yeah. oh, shout out to that, Papa that, Taco. Hey, always, hey, you better give him a big shout out. Shout out to you, yeah. I always Thank wanted that. You, you owe him 20% for yeah. life. He, he's got a nice leg sleeve. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, that's one thing with tattooing. It's like, man, I never, no offense. I'm like, yeah. I never want to be that person's first right. tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you done this? Like, first one, yeah. fuck, no, give me the other guy. So that was my roommate, Kevin, bro. Shout out to Kevin. Uh, the day that a package came in, right? It was like two o'clock in the morning. He had just gotten home from work from a shift, and um, there was a package at the front door. He brings it in. He goes, "Oh, Pete, you got a box." I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's the tattoo ink. It's like the last thing that I needed to be able to actually do a tattoo. And uh, so I opened it up. I pulled the ink out. 
And he's like, oh, shit, what are we doing? And I was like, ah, oh, nah, you know, like, I thought I was going to practice on myself for a long time before I ever touched someone else. <laughs> and he was like, nah, dude, fuck it. Like, let's do it. I'm down. Let's do something. Where do you have you doing that? Uh, uh, this was in my house at the time. We were I, literally I mean, like, in my kitchen. Um, on his thigh. So okay, we, that was smart. We, we played on a paintball team <laughs> together. Um, Palm Beach Reckless. So we did Reckless right on his thigh. And, you know, obviously not my best work. But for my very first tattoo, it honestly wasn't that bad. And uh, then that was basically like our routine every night after that for a while. Um, how, but, many how many tattoos did you torture this guy with? How many? Hey, he was him? voluntary, all right? Yeah. <laughs> he was signing himself up for How, it, how many did you give him? How many did you give him? Yeah, he's got an entire left leg covered. <laughs> <laughs> a full left leg. Pete's just um, slipping him uh, shots at the bar. He's like, yeah. you want to get a little drunk tonight, well, don't you? He's having his friend bring a little something to sprinkle yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Pete has nothing to fucking do with it. Not him. No, we man. didn't get to your sting yet. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, <obviously. shit. laughs> So anyway, I, uh, I get my hands and knuckles done. I, I start this little apprenticeship with my guy at Unforgettable Inc. And, um, and I'm in love with it right away. You know, like I'm super, I'm, I'm very like obsessive also. When I get into something, I'm all in. Like you were saying earlier, like I'm no sleep. I'm just going home after work and working on this until I got to go to work again the next day. And um, it was pretty quick. I realized like this is my route. This is what I want to do. And at the same time, you know, the restaurant world is sort of falling apart with COVID going on. And, um, you know, the pay structure at that time wasn't what I needed it to be at the restaurants. I had been on salary for the last seven years. And as soon as COVID hit, we laid off all those people all the managers got to keep their jobs, but we also all lost our salaries. Oh. And they were literally just paying us like what they could afford to pay us, which was usually like 300 bucks a week or something. So you're, you're guessing what you're going to get. It was, <clears throat> it was shitty, you know, and um, hadn't been in that position in a really long time and it didn't feel good. And um, without really knowing when that was going to come to an end, you know, I'm watching my savings dwindle, whatever savings that I had. And it wasn't a good feeling, you know, not being in control of my finances and uh, it really made me I, back to what we were saying earlier about go-getters. Like, I think COVID was a big exposure for that, where you either became, you, you got passionate about what you wanted to do and figured your shit out to get out of that hole, or you just like rolled over and were like, okay, this is my situation. I guess I'll take the free check. There's nothing I can do about it. And I think it really separated people. You know, the go-getters exposed themselves at that time. And, um, it vetted everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't, I wasn't happy with my situation and I realized, you know, I had built a huge network of people being in the restaurant business as long as I was. And, and the bars. Right. Being yeah. the manager of the place, I'm shaking hands with every person that comes in and, and, you know, getting to know people. So when I started doing this and, you know, was at a point a few months in where I felt confident in the work I was doing, I had put in enough practice and, you know, I was putting out good tattoos that I was proud of. Um, put it out on my social media is where I started, you know, and, um, it was almost immediate, you know, I, uh, I had left Lenora's because I wasn't, you know, content with the pay and I really wanted to dive full into this other thing. And, um, you know, I got a little bartending job just in case like my, my books didn't fill up or it didn't take off as quickly as I needed to. And I only, the first week of tattooing, I worked like two shifts at that bar job and I never went back. It was literally full time every day for the next two years after that. And, um, congratulations. Thank you very much, man. I mean, it's been a blessing. I'm super grateful. A huge lifestyle change going from working till 5 a.m. every night, <laughs> drinking a lot, you know, partying a lot, to now I make my own schedule. I work for myself and I'm super grateful. I couldn't be happier. Do you think art can be learned? Like, do you think it can be learned or do you think you're born with it? I think, like, that artistic, creative, um, thing in your brain is more of something that you're born with, but to, 
to like uh, t- the point of tattooing, I think that's a learned skill. You know, anyone can learn how to use the machine and how to tattoo. And um, I should say, like like a face. Like, say you tattooed a face. Faces. Right, right. <clears throat> like we had a guy in that did Tyson and his wife, and then Tyson with Hawks. So he did it in three hours, a ten by ten. Yeah. Now, I mean, identical to Mike. Tyson. I mean, perfect. Right, right. He had one of Gronk. You know, Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I thought it was fucking Gronkowski. I didn't even yeah. realize he had he had done that one. There's some people nuts. I mean, he's that good. Yeah. Now, do you think on that level with like the whole fate, like he can just look and boom. Right. I think that's where the like, natural part comes you're in. You're born with, you that's have that. That's what separates right? like, you know, the average artist from the insane artist. Those people I think have a natural ability and then they put in the work and the skill to learn how to master their craft. But you, know? you can't, but like if you can't do a face today, if you're sure. horrible sure, and you just don't have that talent, that's not a talent you can learn. Or to do you a think certain you extent. Can? I think over time, I think almost anything could be learned. Um, like for me now I'm at a point where I do do portraits you know that thing that I thought was out of reach for me that I could never do I do them now Um, and I think that is because of the background that I had in art and like the education that I got in art and then having a good teacher to like teach me the fundamentals Um, and I think but then again you were always into art from the beginning right so I think my progression in my tattoo career is super fast like the point that I'm at right now being two years in is and not like tooting my own horn or anything, but it's not where most people are two years into their tattoo career. And I think that comes from having that background in art and having that different creative part of my brain that not everyone has. Can someone who doesn't have that do the same things? Yeah, I think it probably just takes you a lot longer, you know, to to practice those skills and hone them in where I, it kind of comes to me a little more naturally. I don't think you can. And I'm not yeah. an artist, so I'm not, I have no room to talk. I mean, Nick will probably it's say the same opinion. thing. He says it all the time. He doesn't have an artistic bone in his body. He can't draw a stick figure. There's there's levels to it, though. So in my opinion, right, you're either shit at something, you're good at something, or you're amazing at something. The good people, in my opinion, are either the people who suck at it naturally and work really hard, or the people who are really good at it nat- naturally are just lazy. Mm-hmm. The really good people are the ones that put that two together, right. and they work really hard and are fire at it naturally. Mm-hmm. Now, Pete's way too humble, but Pete and what he's done in two years, I would we were at a night market uh, a few weeks ago, and this girl came up and was talking to Pete. And I thought she was referencing, like, I want something like this somewhere else, right? I thought in my head, holy shit, that's a sick tattoo. And Pete goes, turns around and goes, yeah, she got that like a month ago. And I was like, that was you? <laughs> you know, and, and again, you know, he, he's so humble, he won't say that. But if you put those two ingredients together of just waking up every day and saying, I'm not content, I got to get better. I'm not content, I got to get better. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, taking that step back and saying, wow, I'm doing really good, right? So we, we write every single day gratitude list, which is basically saying, I'm already here, but I want this. I'm grateful for being here, but I'm grateful for wanting to be there. Mm. And so he checks himself every day. But when you put those two ingredients together of consistently waking up every single day and saying, I'm going to be better today, just a little percentage, just a little step. Two years, you know, he's one of the best tattoo artists in Palm Beach County. I'll say it. I, I, I agree with you, but I don't think that anybody can just be a good construction owner. Like, you have to have that in you. You can't... I don't think you can be an artist like you are without having that in your genetics, DNA, whatever you want to call it. I I don't see how it's possible. Because, again, we could put 100,000 people here. They are not going to break down what you just broke down 30 minutes ago with that house. How am I going to put this in, this, that? What do you... What do you, you... do you think just everybody has it? You can teach somebody yeah. that? You could teach him that and me that, and three days yeah. from now, I'm not going to know it. Yeah. You, your dad did it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's with you. But I think there's different, like we talk about art, mm-hmm. we're using a big thing of art. 
uh, his is artwork in a home. That's yeah. his, that's his creative brain seeing the walls and doing this. Me for video, I have an art feel when I do movements off of objects and do you know uh, rack focuses and things like that. That's an art that's in my head. I could give it to somebody else; they won't do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hairdressing, it's an art. Um, you can teach someone to cut hair, but you see shitty haircuts all right. the time. Uh, you can teach someone to take video, and you see shitty videos. You can right. teach somebody to knock out walls and do this, and you see shitty jobs. So yeah. now, where I do agree with you <clears throat> is if, like both you, like you, your construction, your tattoo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now if you have that natural ability, which you both do. And then you put the right ingredients with it. Right. Then this is what it's you exceptional. Have. Yeah. But if you don't have that yeah. initial, you know, foundation right. that you were born with, one way or another, yeah. I, I don't see how it's possible. That's yeah. just my opinion. No, I agree, and I think that's kind of the point that Nick was making. Is that's what separates people who are good at something from people who are great at something. When you put that that natural ability with hard work and dedication, that's where you find people that are great at what they do. Right, and then we have your website up. Yeah, man. Pete, so if you want to take us through this a little bit, some of your... Um, uh, yeah, so if you want to click on the Tattoos tab, that'll pull up um, some of my portfolio. I, I really do a lot of my posting on Instagram, like on a daily basis. That's where most of my communication is. Look at that um, tattoo right there, top center. Holy shit. I know, yeah, that color, man. man. I, how did you pull that color like that? <laughs> Thank that's you. Wild. Thank you. It's a lot of, uh, you know, tattooing is a lot of, like, illusions and playing tricks on the eye, which that's where I feel like my, my like, art education comes into play a lot. I find, to the point we were saying earlier of, like, how much do you remember from school that you actually oh, use on a daily that. basis? Go back up, Rob. You know I want to see that. The fucking, right there. That, yeah, you did faces. You did basically the- Yeah, right. The, Portraits the, right yeah, there. Egypt, yeah. Yep. That's good stuff, man. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. I thought that the, the I always think those little ones on the fingers, like the butterflies on yeah. top, with the color too. Mm-hmm. I would think that would be hell hurt yeah, like crazy, you, right? Yeah. Oh, you're doing portraits like perfectly, dude. Thank you, man. But again, it, you know, it shows that my tiger's good. Something that we say a lot all the time is like you're capable of a lot more than you probably give yourself credit for, but you really aren't going to know until you try. So, like again, I went my whole life thinking this is out of my reach, but go to his uh, Instagram, Rob. It's the very next tab. And then Instagram is, we'll have all this in the uh, description. And this is probably the best way to get in touch with me as well. I do most of my um, bookings and stuff. So yeah. that's uh, that's editing. I didn't uh, tattoo the company. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, though. At least you admitted that. You could have been yeah, a jerk totally. off and, and said, you know, at least you know when you go there to get a, a tattoo, you know, you're not going to bullshit them. I would have yeah, bullshit them. I, I would have said, hell oh, yeah, I did yeah. that. No, no. <laughs> You got to be transparent in the tattoo world because, I mean, it's a... So that's the thing. That's where I feel like another thing that separates me, not just, you know, having the artistic background, but having the experience that I got in the hospitality world is something that you don't really find in the tattoo industry. It can be a little bit of like a a cold industry um, where, you know, artists are really good at what they do. And, uh, And again, I'm not saying this about every tattoo artist out there. I'm sure there's plenty of nice guys that treat their customers great. Um, But more often than not, especially in the South Florida market, the tattoo shops that you walk into, for the most part, all look the same. It's just a big white box with a bunch of stations crammed together. And you don't usually get like a friendly hospitality customer service person to come talk to you. It's generally just a guy like, what do you want? And if you don't have like a picture prepared for what you want, like there's not a lot of guys that are drawing custom designs for you anymore that don't charge insane rates. You know, the average shop that you walk into every day 
you don't get like that personalized experience and it can be a little bit intimidating you know and getting a tattoo in general is already sort of intimidating right. because you're trusting yeah, a stranger talking, know, you know? to put something permanent on your body you know so i never really understood that and um that's something that i really took serious when i got started in this and and having my own studio i wanted to make it as comfortable of an experience as possible and that's where my experience in hospitality has like played a huge role and 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 been super valuable because i i kind of take pride in not only giving you great work but giving you an experience that is, you know, memorable and positive. And the whole thing should be a full package, you know? Like, you should be able to get good art and also, like, have a good experience the hospitality. and have a good time. Yeah, it, it was a bomb move to mix in the hospitality that you learned over the years mm -hmm. into your tattoo studio. Thank you. And then appointment only. Right. Me, personally, that makes me feel like, you're you the know, only, It's just me and you. You're the only one there. You that makes me feel more confident. Right. Right? I mean, wouldn't that make you? Yeah. Is that why you did appointment only? Absolutely. To be the niche? Yep. So what would you say, because you grew so quick, what did you do? I understand you incorporated the hospitality, mm -hmm. the art, this, that, the other. What was it that you did different from the other 700 tattoo shops around? A big part of um, my success early on was my network, you know, having the relationships. And, like, it's something that we preach all the time is, like, always just being a good, good person. authentic person, you know. And um, fortunately in that industry, in the restaurant world, I kept my face clean. I, I had a good reputation. And um, I made a lot of relationships, shook a lot of hands, and, and met a lot of people. So always having the reputation for doing a good job in that industry as funny as it sounds carried over to tattooing there's a handful of people when i first started that were like yeah man i don't know i just saw you do such a good job at everything you do i figured you were going to be good at this which sounds like insane when i'm putting something permanent on your body but like thank you um so a lot of it in the beginning was just relationships i was fortunate that i had a huge network of people that i had built up over the years and and uh they had faith in me and then what, it sort of snowballed from there you know you do good work and people are literally walking around. Everyone wants to show off their new tattoo as long as it's done well, you know? So then... Who did that? Who did that? Right. I always it, it, It's that. organic. I always you know? ask it, too. If I see one, I say, who did that? Yeah. Just right. in case, you know? 100%. So, it, you know, it grows really quick. As long as you're, you're giving people a good experience and you're giving them good work, they want to go tell their friends. They want to show it off. So it... I just you, think being both authentic, your past all lined up almost perfect. I wouldn't change a single thing, man. You know, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always good. But I wouldn't change any of it because it made me exactly who I am right now. That's cool. Now, when did you two get close where you end up starting a podcast? Right. So, so take uh, me through that. Like, like, did you reach out to Nick? Nick reached out to you? So we had a lot of mutual friends in high school, um, like I said, but we sort of ran with different circles. I was doing bad shit, and Nick was like a good kid. And um, but we had a few mutual friends, <laughs> and you know, Nate, no, Nick yeah. just didn't get caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true, that's true. yeah. Um, so he's uh, fucking Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get everything straight. Get the fuck out. So when everyone Sell went that off, to the, the guy out there, yeah. everyone went off to college, joking, and uh, once a year we would sort of get together, like all the boys, and um, go get dinner or something, and like around the holidays when everyone comes home from school. And uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but one of these nights we all got together to go to dinner, and um, it was just kind of a, a mutual idea. I don't know who brought it up first, but I think I had expressed that I wanted to start a podcast. Nick had expressed that he wanted to start a podcast. And we just had, like, good chemistry together, too. You know, we um, we just got, we hit it off that night, kind of. And um, the idea sort of, like, lived on for a few months after that, but I was still in the restaurant world at the time, and anyone that works in the restaurant world full-time knows you don't have really much downtime, especially in the nightlife, because 
you're getting home at 6 a.m. and then like sleeping until your next shift. So there is no like hobbies or like other side shit that you do most of the time when you're in that world. And uh, I think Nick was like grinding early in the construction business at that time too. So our schedules like just weren't really lining up. We had talked about the idea, but it sort of fell through for a while. And then um, it was a tipsy. Oh my god, we should you know two sake bombs in. Like yeah, we should definitely do a podcast. Yeah, right. It wasn't didn't, <laughs> didn't seem like anything that was going to come to fruition. You know? Yeah. And then I don't know how much later, but you know uh, I start with my tattoo career. Now I'm making my own schedule. I'm working for myself. I've got the time. Nick is doing well in his career. He, you know, has the time and the finances. And um, and he just hit me up one day and was like, hey, man, look, I'm really serious about this. I really want to do it. I'm going to buy the stuff and, and set this all up. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And uh, I was all in from that mo- moment on. And it's, what was that, nine months ago? You want to hold my hand? <laughs> it, it, it was <laughs> a process, Pete. It, and now he's my best friend, you know? We... Uh, now, initially, what what were you thinking you were going to discuss and talk about initially? Um, you know, I uh, I had wanted to talk about, like, the law of attraction and stuff because it's been such a huge part of my life. Uh, what does that mean to you? Um, so, in a nutshell, to put it super simple, it's, like, sort of like your thoughts become things. Um, or also, like, karma, maybe, where, like, the energy that you put out is what you get back. Um, and it goes super deep, um, and, uh, to the point where, you know, like I write a gratitude list every day of, you know, the things that I want in my life, the goals that I have. Um, there's, there's a documentary out there called the secret. Um, and it's something that I saw in high school and, um, it really resonated with me. I read it, that book. It does a great job. So it actually goes a little further back than that. When I was like a kid, maybe 10 years old in the car, I remember my dad listening to the audiobook of the secret. And uh, I didn't understand any of it back at that time or at that age. That It didn't resonate with me then. But I remember looking at the album art or, like, the, the cover art for the book, and it was, like, this big red wax stamp. And um, then in high school, I'm, like, scrolling through Netflix one day, and the documentary is on Netflix, and I see that big red stamp. I was like, oh, shit, that looks familiar. What is that? So I watched it, and it just resonated heavy, and I, I loved it. And uh, so from early on in high school, I've been big on, you know, your thoughts become things trying to, you know, focus on the positive and not dwell in the negative. And you can really manifest the life that you want with putting a lot of these practices into place. And one of those practices that I'm huge on is the gratitude list. Um, so every day I, I start my day with a full page in my notebook of things that I'm grateful for, things that I, I want to manifest. I write them as if I already have them, which, you know, sometimes it's like a little hard for people to to wrap their head around it you know the word manifest gets thrown around a lot these days and most of the time when people say it they do like air quotes because it yeah. became like this i do that <laughs> word you know like what well, you just met you yeah. wish you had a million bucks and it comes it's not necessarily how it works um or, but, or, or people think you're in rehab yeah, yeah sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two so <laughs> i um what's the fucking thing where you gotta like apologize to everybody um i should yeah, what is the word for that? Uh, it's like the 10 steps. Right. Like, uh, you have to... Um, you amends. Have to, amends. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to make amends and shit. Yeah. And then five minutes later, you get your chip. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah. I just did it for my white chip. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the, when I had the idea early on of, like, wanting to do a podcast, a big thing that I wanted to share was, like, the law of attraction. But also, like, I thought it was cool to hear it from someone like me, you know, because everything that I had learned about the law of attraction and like in the, the documentary, the secret, you got guys like Bob Proctor who are like 
super smart, really well spoken, but he's like a 70 year old man, you know, like I, I can't really relate to that guy. Um, but when you hear it from a kid covered in tattoos that used to sell drugs and went to jail and, you know, worked a restaurant job, that that's relatable. You know, that's something that everyone that we know, you know, around our age can probably resonate with in some way. Absolutely. Um, so I so thought I that would book. be the difference. And now, and it's one of those books like relating to the documentary. Yeah. You have to read it like 17 different times. Yeah. Like I would write it down because mm-hmm. I knew how important it was. Yeah. That and Machia- Nicolius Machiavelli. I would write it down to try to understand it because I knew it was the way of life and business, yeah. everything. 100%. It really is. Absolutely. And to your point, like I've watched that documentary maybe 500 times like there was a point in my life when i would wake up in the morning it was actually when i was in tallahassee right before getting in trouble i would wake up every morning and just have it playing in the background instead of like the rap music or whatever i would usually listen to just because it would get me in the right mental state you know it was good things to be putting into my brain and um but it takes that repetition because it is kind of a lot to process and understand and and it's very and it's very complicated too it is and it, it feels a little weird at first you know it's it's sort of like building a muscle you have to mm-hmm. practice it and do it for a long time for you to really feel like it's working in the beginning it feels weird just as weird as it sounds when i say it it feels a little weird in the beginning but if you stick with it and you start seeing the progress and the benefits and it starts to like holy shit i did that then it's like dangerous once you realize the power that you've got you guys got to read nicolius machiavelli the prince okay it's better than the secret okay that's why Tupac named himself Mac. We're, we're, really? We're readers now. Pete and I yeah, are we like read now. a couple old gentlemen just reading. Uh, we have a yeah. little book club. Yeah. Um, no, but it was it was cool. You know, we had that conversation. It was like probably a year after, like shooting these texts back and forth. We got to do it, bro. We got to do it. Then, like I said, I, I sent him that text. I was like, yo, I bought the shit. I'm like a, a grand in. I'm doing it. I want you to be there. Mm-hmm. And the point really of the podcast is I'm a podcast listen guy. I just, as I work, I put my headphones in and kind of just in the background and then I'll pick up notes. But all the podcasts I listen to are either famous people or people who done made it or or people that are outside my realm. I don't listen to any podcasts where there's a, a very direct sense of relatability. Where like, hey, I'm in my mid to late 20s. I've dealt with the thoughts of what's my purpose? What am I doing? Am I supposed to settle down or go out? Am I, am I supposed to grind for money? Or am I supposed to have fun? You know, it, it, And so all these thoughts that go through our head, I really wanted to start to talk about out in the open and not just put an Instagram reel, uh, reel of all our successes in life, mm. but really talk about all of our struggles. I think the millennial generation has such a hard time with anxiety and depression because we all think that the other people don't deal with the same bullshit we deal with. Mm-hmm. But they all do. We're all not so different. We're all a lot more like than we think we have insecurities problems thoughts that come to our head and we're like oh my god this life sucks bro what am i doing i'm literally just a blob of nothing and so i wanted to start to talk about this stuff so people had this sense of i'm not alone and if these guys are going through the same shit and they're doing fairly well in life uh I, i'm 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 going through the same shit as well and and, and again i'm kind of walking in this path with them i wanted to bring on people that were going down their lane, right? The guy who who wants to be a rapper but isn't Lil Wayne yet, right? The guy who wants to be the biggest contractor in Palm Beach County but is not yet, right? I wanted to get the process. Mm-hmm. So when people are, are are starting their process and they're dealing with the same shit that we're dealing with, right? Th- they know that it's not a quitting point. It's a lesson learned in a in a step down that right direction. Yeah. So when they get these things that happen in their life, they're like, oh, Nick and Pete fucking dealt with that shit too. All right, I guess I'm not quitting. This is me, all right, you said 50 out of 200,000 are go-getters. This is me saying, 
Listen, I think that number's more. I think you're right, factually, right now. But I think that number's more, and I want to light that fucking fire in people, mm. right? So that's my purpose in life. You know, when I when I lost that weight ten years ago, I experienced this something that that a small percentage of people experience in their life, which is. I had this craziest fucking thought in my mind of Nick with abs, right? I was 240 pounds. I was a 35% body fat. I, I, had, I was close to type 2 diabetes. They couldn't even pull my blood because they couldn't get a vein in my arm for so fat. <laughs> That's real shit, right? Yeah. I couldn't yeah. jump a fence. I'd never, never seen my collarbones before. All this shit coming in my head, I don't felt. And so when I went through that process of, oh my God, you're truly able to do anything you want in life anything dude i was now the guy of my dreams bro physically i want other people to experience that because there's no better feeling in the world than looking in the mirror and saying you're a bad motherfucker you did that hmm. no money no drug no power of influence did that you cultivated that by yourself right there's no entity in the world or like i said drug or alcohol that makes you feel that high of of i put in hours sweat frustration and this is why and this is my product so now it's my purpose to relay that to people to understand the fact of there's more to life you are not just a nine to five you are not just a brother or a sister right you have a purpose in this world so now it's my job to fire that purpose within you it's your job to get it done but it's my job to maybe spark that wildfire to to know that that be more do more have fun experience Right. But 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 to go down that path of creating the life you want to create, <clears throat> like you said, a lot of it's uh, anxiety. And yeah. uh, Rogan had on uh, Chris DeSafano. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we'll have him in soon. He's really good comedian. Yeah. But anxiety through the roof, yeah. through the roof. You know, who he is. Yeah. Through the roof. And Rogan kind of laid, laid it laid into him because the guy's worried about like everything. He got a lot better. You know, really nice guy. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra. Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to MonsterEnergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the Beast, Monster Energy. And Rogan said to him, do you realize your anxiety? And I had it. I was yeah. bad, 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 yeah. bad. It's all narcissist. Mm. And Chris, the guy, you know, Chris, very respectable guy says well, what do you mean narcissist well look what you're saying i'm worried i'm gonna have a heart attack i'm worried you know he had anxiety anxiety i'm worried if i go on stage and i bomb i'll never get hired again or or whatever and everything was i i i you know i i i i'm worried i'm scared how if this happens how if that happened why did you do that to me this that the other and when you break it down it's not narcissist like matt cox <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, he'll come right here and tell you, yeah, I'm a narcissist. Shut up, you know. Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Matt we just saw him Saturday. He, was, he wasn't actually a narcissist. Well, I'm sorry. He was like a different Matt. <laughs> he got shorter, though, I think. Uh, maybe. maybe that was Short King. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Matt Cox, now he's a narcissist. Yeah. He'll walk in and he'll say, yeah, I ratted on 20 people. I'm not doing 30 years. Yeah. 
and I wish I would have made more during the fraud, and I could. And nothing you tell me is right. I'm better than you, and I have the answer for everything. <laughs> but that's Matt. And, you know, I accept Matt for Matt, yeah. so I don't take it. You yeah. know, it's just Matt, and he's funny, and he's cool, you know. So when I'm saying narcissist with anxiety, I don't mean it like that. I just mean the I, I, I. And I think Rogan is right. If you can not, if you can, if that sinks in and you have a kids or a wife or a job and you stop with the I, 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 I can't do it. What if I might go broke? I might have to eat ramen noodles. So fucking what? Mm -hmm. You might fail. Who gives a fuck? I, I, I. But I I think also like is the millennial and being on the upper hand of the millennial uh, era is you know you're told by you said like your parents go to college or this person you got to do this or you got to do that and i i feel like everybody's life happens in different stages correct i was a young dad i was last year at college have a kid all my buddies are still drinking still partying right (laughs) and i got a kid Uh, and and now i look back my kids are 15 i got a 12 year old and I call my buddies up and I hear screaming, crying <laughs> babies in the background. And me and my wife are drinking beers, hanging out on the beach, and it's a, it's great. Um, and you know, you look at it. Fuck like, off, asshole. Yeah, but well, there you go. There's another one. Uh, mind you, I've <laughs> and, and, and you look at it and you're like, well, you know, I could have maybe if I if I didn't have a kid, I could have. It's all your thoughts, right? If I didn't have a kid early, well, I could have been more successful or saved up more money. And my buddies saved up all this money. Now they have kids. Now I'm getting in the better shape of my life. They're like 400 pounds overweight. You know, it's just you look at it, it's all about stages in life. And are you happy? Yeah. And if you're it. happy, and you know, you I, I've considered myself successful from the way I grew up. You know, and my parents pushed me to be better than what they had it. And my goal is to push my kids to be better what I have. And that's always the goal. I think is to make your next generation better than the one before. Correct. But just be happy. And the way you do that the best, though, is when you're your best self. Mm-hmm. And, and to the anxiety point, we just did a whole podcast on it, you know, in this past, and we'll dive into that, but in this past six months, I've, I've kind of changed everything back to where I'm in this, this good, confident, hardworking state in my life. Uh, for a while, uh, you know, I, I battled with that. But the, the fact of it is, is anxiety... In the rear view theory, I call it, I read a book called The Five Minute Miracle. It's about a morning routine. But basically, if you drive down I-95 and you're staring in the rear view the whole time, you're going to get in a car crash in five minutes. Mm -hmm. So why are you living your life staring in the rear view? You're going to fucking have problems. What you could do ultimately is only the internal, meaning I wake (laughs) up every single day and I have this to do. Right. I take care of my wife. I take care of my house. I work out. I eat right. I control the controllables. Everything outside of that. I can't control. So why do I stress about that? But I'm confident about the external because I'm controlling everything I can control. Now, if you don't control your health, if you don't control your job, if you don't control your marriage or your your happiness, then that external thought becomes so much more because you can't even control yourself. How the fuck are you going to control any problem? That's what I mean. I, I, I. You're worried about that rear view mirror the whole time. Yeah. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. And so when you focus on the controllables and you focus on the internal, that's what people don't understand. They think it's egotistical to focus and love yourself first. Actually, You have to. Actually, though, in, in reality, it's the most selfless thing to do because when you're the most happy, the most fulfilled, that's when you're the best friend. That's when you're the best podcast person. That's when you're the best father. That's when you cultivate the best life is when you're, you're in a good space. Misery loves company. So oh, yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're in a bad space, sure. I'm going to put that energy 
energy and that shit on you. So focus on yourself. Make yourself happy. And in, in, in this past six months, my relationship's the best it's ever been. I'm making the most fucking money I've ever been. I'm the best contractor I've ever, ever been. I'm the best brother. I'm the fittest. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Hey, Nick, hey, Nick, go jump off a bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, no, no. fuck, give me a little misery, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucker. I, I remember being miserable. Me and my friend Franco, we, we were just miserable. Miserable Italians just pissed off all the time when we were in high school. Yeah. And whenever somebody was like walking around happy all the time, fucking hated him. And like I, he's smiling again, fuck him. I, I, I love you say that, though, because for the last four years I was miserable. Yeah. That's, I don't felt it, right? And that's why I talk with so much passion right now because this is real fucking shit. Yeah. And, and, and I got scars in my brain still from it, you know? So when I talk about this shit and I have this conviction and try to tell people to change, it's because I've seen both sides. Well, and, both and, you have. And, both and, you have. Both have. And, and when, when you see the obvious... Scroll through uh, their Instagram a little bit. When you they got see, some good topics. When you see the obvious back and forth, it's so easy to say, yo, change yourself, man. And I think that's why we have such good chemistry together because both, we both of you have that similar mentality. You've both been through the bottom. You know, the bottom. Yeah. You know, you got to go to dad, yeah. call mom first, smooth it over. You got set up, stung, yeah. fucked, you know, that's for shit that's legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, right. Get stuck in the uh, hospital. All right, Pete. Yep. We're going to pull up uh, the millennium mentality. Yep. And yes, I did look to make sure I read it right. <laughs> you, nailed it. you nailed it. All right. So take us through this, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of what you see on our Instagram here is the clips that we've been posting, which has been actually huge for us. Um, we, uh, you know, we've got a relatively small following, I would say, but like pretty local and engaged. And um, for the last eight months or so, we had just been posting to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and pretty much only promoting it through Instagram. But uh, a couple months ago at a Super Bowl party, someone that listens to the podcast brought up um, TikTok, which we had made a TikTok account, but really never like did anything with it. I think I posted maybe three things to it. They didn't pop off, so I, like, I never opened the app again. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he brought up that one of our story. I told that same story of uh, getting set up in the drug bust. And he's like, dude, that was a great story. You got to clip that and post it to TikTok. I have a feeling it'll blow up. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a good idea. All right, sure. So I went home that night, chopped the clip up, posted it to TikTok. And it got like something like 40 or 60,000 views like overnight, which is if you added up every <laughs> view that we had on everything, every platform, Combined. That, that was more than way more than any views that we had. Go to the uh, next tab, Rob. Yep. So, uh, that being said, we saw I'm success sorry. with that. Yeah. Next one after that. The TikTok. Which one uh, was this here? Uh, so, it's probably all the way back in the beginning because okay. it was like the first clip that we posted. <laughs> that, uh, um, <laughs> let me have face. <laughs> but, yeah. We doubled down, you know. We saw yeah. a huge shoot and growth. Um, so I think that the drug bust yeah. clip that I was saying has like 250,000 now, um, which is definitely our biggest. Um, but we average, you know, on average, it's like 2000 views and then we'll have one pop off like once a week that goes, you know, a couple 10,000, whatever. 91,000. Yeah. And okay. so every time we have one of these blow up, it translates over to the other platforms, which I was sort of surprised on. You know, we get a few bumps in subscribers. We get a few followers on Instagram. So we've really like kind of doubled down on TikTok. And Do you use that uh, for you shit? What's that? Pound for you oh, for you page? Yeah, totally. Do I don't. I don't know if it I, works I or not. I don't. I don't know technology. Yeah, I, I got. I, I got. Don't I don't know clip. if it works or makes a difference, but you know they say to do it, so I do it. I don't know. Sean Green, he uh, he's a choreographer for a bunch of mm-hmm. like heavy hitters. He says it used to work. It doesn't work anymore. It's kind of faded out. Yeah. yeah. 
The uh, algorithm changes all the time, apparently. What have we heard with one, with the guys that have like 30 million followers? Right. I think or, it's changed now. Yeah, it's not like as ju- it used to be the way to go. 100%. And then, but, the, but we had another guy in, he had quite, he had tens of millions, and he said it, the, the further you put it up, like in the title thing, like so, if if you put like the millennial podcast, whatever, yeah. you know, right there you put for you, and then something else. Oh, so like if it's at the end, it doesn't hit as hard. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate. Right. I mean, the guy's got a gazillion um, followers and views, but you know, he's also got. Are you guys not on TikTok? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. How, yeah. Do you guys do? Yeah, well we do like fifty to one hundred thousand views, yeah. and I don't know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand likes. Mm-hmm. You know, but not like there's millions and millions of right. shit. But I, I think TikTok's like, you know, you hit, you hit. Right. And, yeah. and who knows who the fuck's controlling that. We got a runner <laughs> at, at, like yeah. once a week, uh, pizza, night owl. I'm a grandpa, 9 p.m. or, you know, guy. Yeah. And uh, like this is a late night for me, but I love it. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm getting at is Pete stays up till like two or three every night. But uh, at, like once a week, I'll get a text. We got a runner. <laughs> yeah, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'll pop up out of bed like Christmas. I'm like half asleep, like scrolling. I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> but that's what I love. Like we're at. Like I said, a business is your baby. I treat this like a business, you know, our podcast. And uh, we're at the infant stages still, and I know that. But the fact that we haven't made a dollar off of it, we've probably put... Get used to that for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't want... But here's the cool thing. The, we literally joked about it the other day because this is like a hobby for us. This is fun. Mm-hmm. But I said, Pete, wouldn't it be crazy one day if we could actually make money off of this? Like, I like it because I've gone so much into the love for actually doing it that, like, it goes away. Yeah. And from what I hear is like that's when the money flows in on the back end is when you simply just love doing it, you yeah. know? And what's cool for us is what you see on camera and what you see off camera are the exact same <laughs> fucking person, yeah. you know? And and I think when people see us out and they see like, oh, these guys are, you know, like because I think a lot of people online too, they have this front. And right. then when you meet them in real life, you're like, well, that's not who I thought it was. Um, I still use the same funny voices. I'm still a quirky guy in l- real life. You know, I could still have deep ass conversations with you though too. So yeah. it's cool when we go out and we're able to kind of show that to the people who watch us, you know, cause it's sick. Go back to the other tab where, and this is everywhere. Uh, the podcast is available, right? You're on uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, mm-hmm. uh, merchandise, Instagram, TikTok. click on the, uh, merchandise. So yeah, that'll bring you back to, oh, yeah, yeah, to your Maybe. page. Yeah. Do we have no, a, I do we it up. one on this? Yeah, so this is a this is our last drop, which we still have uh we still have in stock, but we also just came out with a new line, which will be uh Dick Slinger. Yeah, Dick Slinger. That Dick was our Slinger. best seller, actually. I bet best it is. I, yeah. I was just gonna say I bet that's the You know what the, cougar water is? Cougar water? Yeah. yeah. Uh MILF with a really wet pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Close. That is it. Michelob Ultra. <laughs> We call oh. that cougar water. <laughs> because cool. if you're at a bar, you ever see like a, a cougar at the bar, she's probably chain smoking cigarettes and p- pounding a Mick Ultra. Yeah. It's either a Mick Ultra or a Corona Light. Right. right? Always exactly. in a bottle. With a line. With always a line in a bottle. Always in a bottle. Always, always in a bottle. Yeah. Or if it's a redneck, it's the Miller Highlight. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Classy. And it's only in a bottle because they're like a classy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Bougie. Doesn't drink the draft. It's only bottle. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> We have a we have a shirt that we put out. Uh, so really weird. One night, Pete sends me late on an Instagram message uh, this meme that says three inches feels like nine when you're in love. <laughs> this has to go on a t-shirt. And, and uh, sometimes Pete says things to me that I think are like aimed at me, but like he sends them. 
So why else would you send that to a friend, right? That made him think of me. That's not a good I thing. I felt like you know? appreciate this. <laughs> so I look at it, and again, this is who I am in real life. I was like, fuck it, we're putting it on a shirt. And yeah. we literally made it a shirt, and it's, yeah. it's the best. So, um, But that's who we are, and that's why we love doing this, because it's just awesome. We get to meet people, talk, and, and I don't know, live more. And I think that's the coolest part. Yeah. And then you guys want to expand into more guests coming in that kind of went through what you went through, both of you went through, Correct. where, uh, you know, whether it's a true crime type of thing, went to jail for a long period of time, got out, didn't let them, didn't let that get them down where they go right back to the same stuff because, yeah. you know, our system is so perfect. Sure. Um, you want more of them on it, other guests to, to get Correct. the message out, right? For the same reason that, like, we felt like we would be relatable, I think that's kind of what we look for in guests, someone that, you know, hasn't necessarily made it yet, but is on that path, go-getters especially, um, even as, as few and far between as we are, we try to seek them out, and um, let them share that same story of all the failures and hard shit that they went through and where they are now so that, you know, again, like the people listening can see, fuck, if this person can do it and a lot of the, hopefully some of those problems they can relate to and realize they're not the only ones that deal with it, all these people who are out living their lives that they love had to go through that shit too and you can do the same thing. Like someone who's on the cuff of, of ready to go. Right. The and next then door you that just opens. give the kick. Right, yeah, exactly. I see. I see. That nice. next door that opens where a lot of people are like, fuck it, I'm jumping off the, the cliff and I'm like, I quit. That next door that opens is the opening. you know. And, and one of these guys went through it and one of these guys didn't and we're trying to tell them to be like, just keep going. Just go to do it tomorrow, then do it the next day. I mean, we literally have a, a, a local rapper, Naro, on who is working a serving job full time, paying money for studio time full time. Mm -hmm. Right? He is the story of like the Jack Harlow, but still in present day. So right. to me, that's beauty because that's the process. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because these rappers and these famous people always say the days I love the most are the days when I was working a job full-time and when I was doing this full-time because they were strictly doing it for the passion. And that was their it, baby. Yeah, you know? it wasn't a board telling them what to do Correct. Or, or a manager yeah. or, or whatever it yeah. may be. You know, so uh, Dr. Phil, I mean Nick, um, <laughs> you know, what would you say, you know, when you're as busy as you are in a relationship yeah. and, you know, perfect here, you know, yeah. uh, what, would you, what advice would you give on your podcast yeah. and here, you know, in a relationship when – in all seriousness, yeah. when you're running a construction company, yeah. a tattoo uh, private thing, which is a whole other ball game, yeah, you yeah. got to vet with that stuff, yeah. mm -hmm. and all that, all that business plus plus all the promotion of your initial businesses that are paying for the podcast. How do you manage that yeah. with in a relationship? I think relationships. This is gonna suck super. And I'm not saying no, that. no, I, I, no, 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 no. This, saying him because he brought up. No, it, sure. This is saying this is gonna doctor fill the hell out of it. But <laughs> I think there's three pillars to it. <laughs> no, 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 but uh, I think rule number one is always respect. Um, and, and respect on the good days, respect on the bad days. I've never raised my my voice to my fiance once in my life. I don't believe in that. Um, I think words have weight. And I'm a sensitive bitch on the backside because when words affect me too, you know. And when someone says some shit that I love, it, I I do get cut deep by it. Um, so it was, it's a learning curve for her with that because sometimes she's re reacted along emotions, and I'm like, dude, just sit down, let's have a conversation and work it out. Number one is always respect. Number two is continuously dating your partner, you know. So like, 
I always remind myself, even on the bad days, like that feeling after our first date. It's gonna sound super fucking corny, but like when I was, no, like, no, when no. I when I was like, dude, this is it. This is the one. Like I called my mom. And I said, Ma, I don't know what love. I sound like a little Italian meatball right now. Ma, Ma I don't know what a, what love feels like. But what I feel right now is some shit I never felt before in my life. So I don't want that to stop. Mm. So on my days where I'm like, you know, we've been living together for three years, and you're kind of going through the motions. I'm like, no, I want to get sexy tonight i want to take you to dinner i'm going to bring home flowers i want to like role play like this is our first date you know i want to i want the sexy time on the back end i want i want the the fun us loving time on the front end we're going to put the phones away. like so how do you manage you have your business to yeah. have the time to go to dinner every i i stopped six months ago when my happiness really started the go with the flow vibe that's a go with the shit show vibe. Because mm. to me, you have to have structure to your life. Yeah. If you want to be successful in every pillar of your life, you can't be like, ah, well, I'm going to go to the gym two times this week and I'll go to the bar two times this week and we'll call it balance. Like, no, that's not structure to your life. Structure to your life is, I'm going to the gym seven days this week. Structure to your life is, Okay, with that, I'm going to go to the gym at 7 a.m. So I got to tell my, my wife at 7 a.m. I got to tell my friends, if you hit me up at 7 a.m., where am I going to be? Boom, they know that. So they stop asking me. The less knows I got to make. From there, you structure in your business time. So my, my, my fiance knows that um, basically when I get home from 5 o'clock every day, from 5 to 7 is usually when do I do emails and accounting. And like, if I'm in the computer, know that... It, it's me not necessarily wanting to work because I want to spend time with you, but it's me trying to build a family and a future of, of prosperous and success. And if I don't put these two hours in, I'm not, I, I got to, right? And she loves that part of me. And then, you know, when we lay down in bed every night, we put the phones away, we watch something sometimes, but we just spend time with one another. And I think people either get too caught up in their own lives to remember to date. Or I feel like people just get monotonous and, and it becomes their friend. Like, like that's just a friend and then... Well, where are you pulling from? You have to pull from somewhere. If you're doing construction all day, trying to build a podcast yep. the best you can, yep. well, where are you taking from to get that that two hours to I, I, with, with no phone? I guess it, you, it has yeah. to pull from somewhere. I guess you could say my social life. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, for the last 72 days straight... Um, I've been going to bed at 9, 30, 10 every single night. I wake up at 6 every morning. I would drink a gallon of water. I work out twice a day. I mean, we're structured to a point of um, I'm sending a no text back, not even based off of any emotion I felt. Like, my boys are going out to Sunday brunch. I'm not working Sunday. Memorial Day is yesterday. I had that all, right? I would love to go rip a brunch, but that's not what I actually want. So it's almost like I'm on the cusp of a new chapter now in my book in my life where it's like, I guess to answer your question, it would say social life. But to me now, this is the life I want to live. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to go out and get fucked up with my boys on a Sunday brunch, which is going to affect my business? That sounds like uh, it, our boy Homer. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, but, but you want to <laughs> talk about- Guy goes to lunch every day. Yeah. But you got like five pillars, right? <laughs> Why are you going to take five? I mean, one from five and affect the other four. The next day, I'm not going to the gym after brunch. The next day, I'm, I'm hungover. I'm eating sh like shit. I'm not drinking my water. I'm not doing the thing. I'm not doing my business, right? I'm just being there stupid and hungover. So it's a different chapter in my life, you know? I want to be able to the point where I am a dad like Rob. I got my shit where I don't want to be going out with my boys Saturday night. I want to be home with my kid, you know? And so to answer your question, I guess it would be social life. But I'm... The happiest I've been in four years. So I guess it was my internal being saying your social life needed to slow down, you know? And you also, it sounds like you have a wife that understands. She she knows. 
ultimately, I feel like we all initially know the type of partner we have, and she knows what she signed up for. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's bullshit. That's well, I'm older than you, buddy. No, that's <laughs> bullshit. You're you. That's a bunch you, of bullshit. Did were you fighting your gut though, or did your gut tell you that it was the right decision fully, and then on the back end you realized it? Worked? My gut told me it was the right decision. Really? Fully, yeah, mm. yeah. Because I've never, I've never. And I don't believe I'm I'm not going to. I think I will eventually in life. Everyone does. But I've never, as far as people being off on like a personal calendar, my gut's usually always right. Not meaning that I haven't trusted my gut because I haven't at some points. But typically I'm like in the back of my head, I get vibes. And um, so for you, there was no vibes there across the, across the board. It was, it was. Of like negativity? Yeah. <clears throat> no. Really? No. No. It wasn't. And then out of just nowhere, it, it, it came to life. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, I think um, in that particular situation, I, I think it was a lot of other things from before yeah. that maybe were held in yeah. that then came out, not in a negative way. It, it just changed her, yeah. who she was. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? How do you manage your time? Um, well, similar to Nick, when he started making all these changes in his life, I it inspired me a bit and I wanted to get, structured as well so um i would say you know getting a routine that is manageable for yourself you know like what you just said was great but i also not everyone no wants yeah. to work out seven days a week right. or wake up at 7 a.m it may not be necessary for your goals so like for example nick's been on 75 hard um which I, a lot of people are familiar with that program yeah. but it's um do you will you say what the five things are 75 hard is what about 75 hard rob when you have a chance do you know do you know what 75 mm. yeah, yeah so 75 hard is a it's not even a challenge it's it's a lifestyle change in which uh the, the creator of andy frisilla put it together because he found that all these challenges were there for a second and gone you lose 15 pounds and you put it back on or you know your business is good for 15 days and it's not and he's like i want to do something in which people build the muscle to build any talent they want, right? Because in the end of the day, discipline is going to cultivate anything in your life, whether it's social or, or work or anything. Um, so he created 75 Hard as a simple thing to do every day, but there's no deviation from it at all. For, so for 75 straight days, you have to do two workouts a day, 45 minutes each. One has to be outside, has to be outside. So a walk, a run, a bike ride, a CrossFit workout outside, anything like that. One of them has to be 45 minutes inside. One second under 45 minutes, you lose the day, you start back from front. Um, drink a gallon of water a day. You got to read 10 pages from a physical book a day uh, of self-help. Nonfiction. Nonfiction, yep. Um, and then no cheap meals and no alcohol for 75 straight days. So you wake up and you have a to-do list with no deviation every single day for 75 days. And, and if that don't put structure to your life and you actually do it, then I don't know what the fuck will. What was the hardest part about those five things? Um, giving in to listening to your like so. All right, there. <clears throat> okay, mental toughness, correct. Mental fortitude, confidence, self esteem, self worth, self belief, grit. All that comes down to self love. That's that's that yeah. whole yeah. It, yeah it, right. It's just respect for yourself, and mm -hmm. that's what life boils down to. Is like, how can I convince something? to have a love and conviction in me if I don't love and have conviction in myself. How are you going to believe me if I don't even believe what the fuck's coming out of my mouth? Yeah, you know? sure, sure. And I think 75 Hard is a great program. Um, and I, you know, I, this time around, didn't do it with Nick, but I decided next time Nick does it, I'm going to do it with him. But I think also for people who feel like they need to make a change in their life right now, but then look at this and go, ooh, that's a little extreme for me. I don't know if I can, I'm not ready to do those things yet. 
the same like concept can be applied in a different way. And so that's sort of what I did this time around when Nick started 75 hard, I created 75 soft for myself, <laughs> where it was basically like the same outline where you take each one of those principles, but I sort of catered it to my own personal goals. And you know, um, so how'd you cater it? How'd so you make it up? For me, a gratitude list is a fundamental part of my life. I know there, I've gone through slumps as much as I believe in the law of attraction and have been passionate about it for such a long time. I go through slumps, you know, where I for months won't write and I see how it affects my life. So, and I'm doing my best always when I'm writing those gratitude lists every day and, and visualizing every day. So um, that was like the fundamental one is write a gratitude list every day. I think I've been chronically dehydrated for years. So drink, <laughs> drink a gallon of water every day. Um, take vitamins and supplements every day. Uh, work out every day. But again, it's not two 45-minute workouts, one being outside, because I've got like an insane metabolism where my body can't hold on you to fat. You can eat like 40 chocolate chips. Nothing. Like, I can't gain weight if I try, man. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that two 45-minute workouts outside <laughs> I don't know if I'll see if you do that. You're right. man, what the... But nah. exercise every day. I Wish believe I had that gene. <laughs> it's, it's good for your brain. It's good for, you know, a lot of things. And um, so still working out every day. Um, and... Uh, I think that oh and reading I so I said it one page of a book per day which seems really like a easy task to do but the other thought that I had when I was creating this outline was I think a lot of like I've seen a lot of people do 75 hard and it's so extreme for some people's lifestyle that I think even if they do complete the challenge which I think most people that do the program don't complete it um but even the ones that do, they're so ready to break those habits on that 76th day because yeah. they're tired of doing the shit <laughs> yeah. that then they go off the rails, you know, and they throw their diet away. They don't work mm-hmm. out for a week because they feel they deserve a week off and they never really get back into that routine because they like couldn't wait for the program to be over. So I wanted to create something for myself where it was catered to my lifestyle and to my goals so that when that 75th day is up, I hopefully on the 76th day just wake up naturally and do the exact same shit because now it's a routine in a lifestyle that I can stick with, it's sustainable. You know, you wanted to create it where it's in your reality and in your reality of possible accomplishments, right? And something I could keep hopefully forever, you know, habits that once I, in 75 days, it will be a routine and a habit. And then there will be no reason for me to stop it for, for the rest of my life. Yeah. I can see how that would be applied, not just to weight loss, just to really fucking anything. That's something they emphasize is that it's not a weight loss challenge. It's not, it's not a challenge at all. It's just a a program for an optimal lifestyle. And me, I would call that like my personal thing, a hobby. Like I always say, so you have to have a hobby in your life. Mm. Uh, You can work and work and work and work and work and work and work. You have to have a hobby. Mm Mm-hmm. And if that hobby's a half an hour a day, you have to have something to take your mind away from stuff, whether it's sitting in a sauna or, you know, going to the gym, playing the piano, mm-hmm. doodling on paper. Mental reset. Yeah. You well, need something it. that you we say it. a lot is having, creating tasks. Like, that's the other thing about having, like, this list of things that you have to complete every day that you can't deviate from. It creates discipline where you know that every day, no matter what happens, you have to get these things done. And... um practicing that every day it builds some sort of muscle you know a disciplined muscle in your brain that then makes all the other shit that you have to do every day a lot easier the other tasks or the other problems that arise it's sort of like that thing that you hear people say all the time like make your bed every day because it's a task that you need to that you don't want to do no one will even know if you did it or not most likely but you'll know you did it Mm -hmm. and you start your day off by doing the right thing and making the right choice and uh it snowballs for the rest of the day 
And that's why I'm big on like the gratitude list at the beginning of the day, because I start my day with gratitude and I'm identifying gratitude everywhere I go every day. And um, having any sort of list, whether gratitude is involved or not, having tasks every day that you need to complete without any deviation builds that discipline muscle. And then that translates to so many other things in your life. Structure. Right. The structure is the foundation of everything. Well, you know, back in the day when we were, well, when I was growing up, me and Rob, you guys were a little bit younger. <clears throat> but, you know, if you didn't, if you kept screwing around, guess where your ass was going? The military. Yeah. yeah. And your ass came back and you were straight. Right. That bed was made. Yeah. yeah you walked right. You know, but now, I mean, depending on which one you go into, they got fucking timeout cards. We got we got to kill uh, Rourke, our friend John Rourke yeah. <laughs> in the Army, and they do. They have the... Uh, they're not called timeout cards. They're called uh, take a break. Maybe. Take a break. No, yeah. Yeah, you put a thing up. What's that mean? So I'm your drill sergeant, right? Yeah. Pete, give me fifty, you piece of shit. Yeah. Whatever. Anything. The worst thing I could ever say about you, and you can just sit up and go. I need a timeout. Come on. Right, Rob. Yeah. We pulled it up and everything. That's real. Wow. That's real. Not not in the Marines. It's in uh, parts of the Army. I, I don't know exactly. I'm sure that the like, fucking yeah, Bronze yeah, yeah. Stars don't have yeah, fucking yeah. timeout cards, but. <laughs> You know, the ones that run up the hill yeah, to yeah, see yeah. if the guns are over top to let yeah. the Marines know, hey, there's guns up there. You guys stay down here yeah. and whoever makes it back makes it back. Correct. You know, those guys have the timeout cards. Mm. Maybe because they, you know, you would think they would probably do that to a lower yeah. one because if you're going to have them run up the fucking hill and see if there's That's you know, right. fucking grenades coming and shit. Yeah. Pretty Not going to say timeout to the grenade. Correct. Right? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Rob, can you explain that to me? I, I, just what you said. I mean, like, what the fuck are you gonna do when you're in war? Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, shit. I mean, look, fucking real close now. It's um, and 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 to that that last point, it's like the muscle that creates everything, but no one talks about it is discipline, and no one thinks that's a muscle. Everyone thinks like, oh, that guy is doing successful. He was born with that. Right. That's something he was born with is that discipline. Yeah, right. That's just who he is. Mm-mm. No motherfucker. No one has. No, he discipline. got his ass kicked when he was growing yeah, yeah. up. Usually. All right. Or or he had to suffer that bad to change his life. Like right. I, I had to look in the mirror every day and say, "You fat fuck. You fat fuck. You." And, and, and how how much does that hurt? Well, you got to say this change is so scary, but that's going to hurt less than where I hurt now. So I got to make it. And I always say kids strive or want, I guess, want structure in their lives. They want discipline. You see that all the time. You see kids that, you know, disrespectful their parents, screaming, cursing, yelling when they're little kids. And the mom, oh, it's okay. And they get them this and get them that. And then you get the grandfather that comes in. Or the nanny in some cases, yeah. and they put the discipline into that kid, and that kid is more attached to that person who mm. gave them structure and gave them discipline than the one who's just like, ah, do whatever you want. Yeah, they hate you at first. Correct. But later when they realize what your point was, yeah. they you know. For it. Yeah. Discipline is love. You know, for some reason, discipline has a negative connotation. Well, but, that's now. It didn't yeah, used yeah, to be. It's, it's correct. This fucking, yeah. I, I still get confused and get killed. Which movement is this before I get killed? The... No, it's just um, seventy five hard. You know? I don't know. It's not now. Like not the Me Too. You always. Say I always say it's the Me Too movement. No, oh, no, what, what the hell? The millennials? Just, just the, <laughs> no, millennials always get a damn bad rap. No, it is. Yeah, we do get crushed. Right? I don't know what the fuck a millennial. Yeah, I, I that's guess why we the put the. Uh, I think you're I believe, just out of the millennial. I think I think I'm there mo- still. millennials eighty eight <laughs> to ninety nine. Yeah. I believe eight a year nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, so you're a millennial. Uh, 
I'm 85, but I'm on the cusp. Yeah, uh, he's he's like a transformative guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can if, identify if, as whatever yeah, you want. That's right. <laughs> if someone's making fun of millennials, he's like, fuck those kids. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those guys. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it's yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so I... When social media came about, yeah. where you could start posting every little thing, and and you know that that's when like the whole trophy thing happened, and you know everybody gets a trophy, you know, you know whatever you do in your own home, whatever you're doing, what the hell is that? There you go. So it says. Oh, that's not right. Gen Y, Gen Y. <laughs> I told you that's right. Eighty-one and ninety-four. What is that? There's two years there. <laughs> and forty years old. So we can identify as whatever the fuck we want to. Gen Y is twenty-five to twenty-nine. Mm. Hey Nick, what? You're wrong. I that. What is this source? Yeah, yeah. Kasasa? What is that source? <laughs> wrong. Hold on. I don't know. Oh, oh, Kasasa? It's at the top of Google with no ad. Oh, I don't wrong. trust that guy. I do not trust that guy. Okay. You gonna trust that guy? Sure. We'll pull up some more. There, well, you don't trust Wikipedia? Oh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Millennials. That's a real one. Real ones and fake ones. Why are the rep court falling? Nick, we got to name the podcast something different now. Nick, Nick is wrong. Nineties. <laughs> the millennial. Tommy, we got to cut this out. We, 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 <laughs> we got to fucking. I'm not going to be the Gen Y <laughs> podcast. Mentality. Excuse me. One out of one out of time. Rob would like to read something to you, if, uh, Nick. If, go ahead, Rob. If you would like to identify as a millennial, you can. I guess. Oh, oh, okay, oh, it's a facto. What the fuck, Rob? As, um, Thank you, Rob. That's a W. Rob. I'm going to use 1980s as starting birth years. So 1980s, you're good. Yes, sir. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm on the higher end of the millennial spectrum. Yeah. You're daddy millennial. And then it, it, it goes down until we reach uh, the 2000s, I believe, or late 90s. Yeah, you're the, then still the, wrong. It says 81 to 96. I don't see that. Wrong. What year were you born, Nick? What? Well, you were you born? Ninety-five. You're ninety-four. Oh, he's yeah, good, yeah. He's yeah. good. He's still in there. Yeah, we good. He's still millennials. Yeah, yeah, but his back number. So I am too, because I was eighty-two. Wrong. Mm. Oh shit! Welcome to the club. <laughs> I just got smoked. I just got fucking smoked. Smoke. Yeah. I, I wanted to this get her. We're gonna clip this. God damn it. You know, I'm not changing the name. Now we're fucking millennials. You know? <laughs> That's why we put the question marks in there. Now it's proven. And you were also proven wrong. Oh, man. One thing I, I, I saw one, uh, I want both your answers. Because um, I think it's one of probably the biggest things with the anxiety that went through the roof with COVID and depression, suicides. Jesus. Mm -hmm. You see that number? The yeah. numbers? Um, insecurity. I see a, a lot of that. I, I had it myself. I was very insecure. It, even, you know, I had a lot of money. I had a lot. But deep down, I was insecure, mm -hmm. you know. What, what you had a, a podcast about that. Mm -hmm. What was a message from you that you were trying to get out about that? And then the same for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I think um, through the changes that I've made in the last few months, thanks to Nick and this program that we've been on, um, and realizing the discipline being a muscle that you can work every day and confidence kind of going hand in hand with that discipline. When you know that you, for however many days in a row said you were going to do something and you follow through on it, that's where it comes from. The confidence comes from saying you're going to do something and then following through and doing it. Um, cause I think there's a lot of people out there that you know, talk a big game, but then don't act on it. And, um, the confidence that you gain from being, for keeping your word with yourself, you know, and being disciplined enough to, to act on the things that you say you'll do builds that confidence. And when you've got that confidence, the insecurities kind of fall to the wayside because you realize how little most of them matter, actually. And um, and when all these other things are firing for you in the right way, you're not dwelling on the dumb shit. Yeah, but how do you get over the insecurity? 
I guess give me an example. Of like, <clears throat> okay, if, if I'm if I'm going on a date, mm-hmm. right? I'm going on a date with a girl. I don't think I have a shot. I don't even know why I'm there, mm-hmm. sure. right? But she's all over me. She's calling me a hundred times. But deep down, I'm, in, I'm insecure. I'm gonna put on that face and clothes and sure. pretend I can act. How are you gonna get me over that insecurity? Well, I guess at the end of the day, you kind of got to realize with yourself, you're at that table on that date with that girl for a reason. Um, and if she's not into you, then I guess you guys will figure that out and you'll go from there and you guys won't go on a second date or you hit it off because she likes you for, you just got to be authentic and then people are either going to accept you for your being or who you are or they're not. And those people don't fuck with you, you know? So kind of like, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Keep it, pounding that that in insecurity head, right? comes back from caring about what other people think about you. And that you can't, man, it that- doesn't fucking matter. That's another big fucking problem in this world. Everybody's worried about what everybody else thinks. Shit doesn't matter. And if you've got the confidence from, you know, doing, find out what's important to you, you know, and work towards those goals every day. And who's going to fucking phase you? You know, how can you tell me I'm not the shit when I said I was going to do this, this and this, and I'm acting on my life, you know, what you think about whatever the fuck you think of my appearance my whatever you know what can you say i i'm I'm not phased because i act on the things that i say i'm gonna do and i follow through on the things i say i'm gonna do nick should be your first guest so he can admit when he's wrong nick you got anything to say about that (laughs) (laughs) i think that insecurity um is something that i made a comparison on a podcast we posted lately but you got two voices in your head right I called it the devil and the angel or the boss and the bitch voice, right? In this ex- instance, I'll use a boss and a bitch voice. Fine. I, I call it the drill sergeant. Yeah. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and ultimately, in your life, you're going to find that one voice dominates the other. So I'm going to set two alarms for the gym at 6 a.m. tomorrow, right? 6 a.m. pops around. My alarm comes off. My first initial, re- initial reaction is I got shitty sleep last night and hit snooze. Boom, you'll do it tomorrow, right? That's the bitch voice. The boss voice is rolling over saying, I didn't get good sleep tonight. I'm fucking pissed, but we're still rolling to the gym because we committed to that. Um, And in life, if you want to talk about having that self-respect and confidence and self-love, like even to your example of I'm going on this date, I got everything from the external. I got a car. I got a big house. I got the job. I got all this shit. But internally, I fucking hate myself. So internally, I'm not happy. So the external is what you're living for and the internal is what's not there. But when the internal is there and the external is not what you're living for, you're happy. How do you not care about people's opinions? Because you know you work every fucking day to be the best person you could be. You're nice to people. You're grateful. You give back to your community. You work hard. You're a good father. You're a good husband. You're responsible. You don't cheat. You know from your bones you're a good person. How does someone look at me when I'm in the gym seven days a week and go, wow, he's fat? I'm going to laugh. Right? There's no fucking way, bro. Or wow, he's a horrible husband. How are you gonna say that? So either A, the the opinion's gonna be so stupid that I'm gonna either laugh at it or not even listen to it, or B it's gonna happen and I'm gonna say, listen, if I said right now you have blonde hair, what are you gonna say to me? No chance, right? I don't know. With you it, it depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I say that to you, it, right? It depends yeah. on on how long I gotta deal <laughs> with you. If, if it's gonna be this whole ADHD thing about the blonde hair, no. uh, yes, it's blonde. Is it actually? 
No, no. No, no, no. Fuck, he was going to scrap that. He's good. That was a good straight face. Thank you. Hey, that was a good straight face. I almost believed in myself. I'll give you that. That was really good. That was really good, actually. But it's ultimately doing hard shit every single day. It's just waking up and doing hard shit every day. So back to that structure thing, it's like, if you don't wake up every day and do something that's going to make you a little uncomfortable, a little happy, a little grateful for having that rest in your day, then you're not going to be happy. So how do you beat down insecurities, which is just a cousin of the devil. It's a devil in a different form saying, you look fat today, or you're not working hard, or you're not enough for your partner. It's saying, I'm doing everything the day that I can. So I don't care if I look in the mirror and I'm not what I think would be hot, right? But bro, you went to the gym today. You drank water today. You ate good food today. What the fuck else can you do, man? So that's how you kick those voices out of your head. You say, I'm working so hard. Shut up. And that's how you shut them up, right? And ultimately, day after day after day, I say it all the time, but I'm step by step. All I focused on today is today, right? You want to talk about anxiety? Start focusing on the future. You got 70,000 thoughts in your head a day. Multiply that times the next 30 days. That's a lot of thoughts. But if you focus on today, I got seven critical tasks. I got to work hard. I got to take care of my wife and that's it. That's that's all I gotta care about. So took, the, took so, me thirty five years. It's hard. I would go down and look at. I had a Bentley and a Lamborghini. I'll never forget it. I walked down to my garage and I go, "What the fuck? Why am I fucking miserable?" And it literally took me thirty five to around thirty five, thirty six. I was like, "Cause I didn't love me." Yeah. And then once, once I realized that, I changed some things, and that's now right. I feel different. I don't. I mean, fuck a Lamborghini. Yeah. What did you have to change? Um. Well, I had to accept that. Mm-hmm. I had to accept that I didn't love me because I, you know, I'm telling myself I love me. Fuck, I got a Lamborghini. You know, yeah. I got a Bentley. I got a bank account. I got this. Fuck, of course I love me. You know, so I, I wouldn't allow myself to accept the fact that maybe I don't love me for whatever reason, maybe shit I did in the past, whatever the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. But I would block that out. So whenever something like that would be, block it out. Boom. Nope, not me. You know, something's wrong. It's this person or that. It was always somebody else. And then for whatever reason, at like 36, actually, I think when Kobe Bryant died, Mm. I was a big fan of Kobe Bryant. I used to go out and see him all the time. And I was a big fan because he worked really, really hard and never gave up. And we had uh, season tickets there. I'd fly from Pennsylvania there when I could. Missed a lot of games, but we had good seats. And we would go to the Lexus box. And I, I said this before, but if he missed a three throw or four of them in a game, and in, there was one double overtime game with uh, James Harden when he was playing with Oklahoma. He hit a three. Double overtime. He played like 49 minutes. Two hours later, Kobe Bryant is still shooting. The game's over. Everybody went to the locker room. You go up to the lounge up top at the Staples Center, have a drink, eat whatever you want. Kobe is out there shooting foul shots mm. because he missed those four. And then, you know, like if he missed a, a certain three – we go up and have dinner, and I look out there, and I'm like, God damn. And that same spot where he missed, because I would watch real close as a fan, he would sit there for two hours, three hours. We would leave sometimes, and he'd still be there after that game, and they have a game the next day. Yeah. And when I saw that, that that really, man, that made me a huge fan. Even I was a huge fan before, but yeah. just that fucking dedication because he didn't have the talent like Jordan. Jordan could drink, party, smoke, gamble one hour of sleep and he'll kill you kobe had to work for that talent you know and he never gave up i mean the guy won he beat the sixers with his knees his knees were rubbing against each other 
playing 44 minutes a game the last two games. He, there was no, nothing there. It was bone against bone. After they won, when they went to do the celebration, his ass went right to Germany because this shithole place doesn't allow you to have stem cells yeah, that yeah. you need. Mm. But he played with bone to bone two games in the finals and didn't complain. Nobody even knew but the, the team. To me, that's like, that's a, uh, you never give up. You fight through it. You get the fucking job done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's doing hard shit every day and doing things that you don't want to like. And what it all comes down to is discipline. And stop putting a negative connotation with discipline. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. If someone has discipline in their life, they're happy, I promise you. Mm-hmm. So start thinking of discipline in this boss voice as good. right? Stop thinking about getting uncomfortable as a bad thing. You're changing when you're getting uncomfortable. You're growing. That's where you want to live, man. Bro, you, got, you guys got to do a podcast on this. You'll kill when Kobe Bryant would not give the ball to Shaq until he worked. Yeah. So now yeah. Shaq's seven foot two, right, Rob? Remember watching him? Yeah. Kobe wouldn't pass him the ball. He'd be wide open. Yeah. And unless Shaq, Shaq boxed himself out the right way, put the work in, Kobe wouldn't give him the ball. Yeah. Mm. He passed it to everybody else but him. And, they, and that's when that whole big fight started. They're yeah. friends now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, discipline. Now, you think because you're seven foot two, I just worked my, I'm going to give you the ball. They're going to foul you. And because you didn't practice your foul shots with discipline, (laughs) you're going to get to the foul line and you're going to miss both. And now we're going to be behind. And now I'm going to have to carry the fucking weight. Mm -hmm. So either you're going to box out and get down low where you can just reach up and dunk it. Correct. Right. Where if they foul you, at least we got two. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then I'm not going to give you the ball. And that's discipline. And that takes balls when the guy is seven foot something and he hit him. They got in a fight and he hit him. Yeah, they got in a fight. Hit by Shaq. Oof. Yeah. Oof. They hit each other. Oof. No, they threw down. Kobe and Shaq threw down. I know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to Is that on film? Shaq. I'm sure somebody has it. Ooh. So did uh, Jordan and Pippen. They oh, went at yeah, it. And uh and uh Jordan and um who was the tall one? Do you guys watch the Bulls? Scotty no. Pippen. No, not Pippen. Um are you talking about the guy with the uh earrings uh, and shit? No, Dennis Rodman. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, he got in a fight with the, the tall guy. There was a tall guy with the Bulls, and Jordan okay. just walked up and punched him right really? in the face. Yeah. Oh, I know who else he did it to. Steve Kerr. Mm. Wow. Steve, who coaches uh Curry now. He I walked feel, I, I feel what? like he's a nice dude. I feel like you Jordan? shouldn't no, Steve Kerr. Oh, oh well. <laughs> I, yeah. He probably missed a shot that Jordan didn't yeah. fucking like, and he didn't practice yeah. one night and fucking hit him. Yeah, seriously, back then, I mean, it yeah. was like you know, and then Phil Jackson, I mean, fuck, yeah, the Zen master, bro. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good topic. That 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 Netflix documentary with the Bulls is ridiculous, <laughs> um, crazy, and man. it shows you how much work goes into something. But no, we have a lot of these podcasts where we kind of special, like, specially talk about one of these few things. We released one yesterday basically about the law of attraction and visualization and the gratitude list. Because when it comes to that, like what he talked about in the beginning, to me, blue collar guy, that's some foo-foo manifestation bullshit. Like don't come with me with, with writing down every day. Okay. You know. And I had said like Kobe or a celebrity like yeah. that because if I put on your podcast and you say, oh, I'll write this shit down, mm-hmm. okay? Even if, even if you have 10 million, you know, subscribers and you know, 500 million views every video. I'm not writing shit down. Sure. But if you portray it in a way with a celebrity or a famous athlete or something like that, maybe I'll fucking listen. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. You know, that, that's just my opinion. That's so true. Sure. And when you know someone has that belief in yourself, like you ever been out to dinner with a bunch of healthy ass people and like you want to order some, you know, chicken wings or something and they're eating kale and they're eating yeah. gluten free yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, damn, I guess I'm getting the salad tonight. Right? So, 
It's about how you surround yourself, the people you have influence you. He's made me a better person and pushed for more. I've made him do 75 soft and realized to put some dis- discipline and structure in your He's life. even naming it your name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's got a good ring to it. So I, I think it's about who you surround yourself with, working on the internal, pushing that bitch voice away, doing hard shit every day. And like I said, if you start replacing the word discipline with self-love, I'm not eating that pizza because I love myself too much. I want myself to look sexy. And what's the opposite of self-love? Insecurities. Correct. As you start building the discipline and you gain the confidence, the insecurities just go away. Yeah. Yeah. How could I have insecurity about being fat when last night I just said no to the pizza and I picked the salad? That's a bad man. I literally just said, no, devil, get the fuck away. I'll so it's trying to get out of you, Nick. That's yeah. it, man. It's trying to pull it out of this yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. God that's damn. Um, <laughs> um, so, so that's, to me, why I have so much confidence now. We're like 72 days in. If I, I was at a, uh, at a seeing some friends this weekend. We were at a sports bar, and I got offered a drink. I laughed, and I said, no, no, thank you. You know, that's just not what I'm doing right now. No, Nick, because I'm the drunk guy, tequila shots, blacking out. I'm that dude. <laughs> and yo, Nick, come on, bro. Like, I'm, I'm that hype man, you know, spending $400 at a fucking bar. Uh, and, um, and now they expect that because that was my identity. And um, I, I have so much conviction now on what I'm doing in my life. I stopped living for what I wanted right now in the present, and I started living for what the fuck I want actually in life. Insecurity and not loving yourself is when you're acting something else than who you are. And when you know who you are and you're going after that, I don't care if someone laughs at me for not taking a shot. I don't care if someone laughs at me for not eating their birthday cake mm-hmm. or telling me I'm stupid. I don't care if someone looks at me and they said, you want to make how much this year? No fucking way, man. Just because you have disbelief within yourself to do something, don't put that shit on me, you know? And, and, and when you start to believe in yourself, I'm reading this book now, The Magic of Thinking Big. If you ever read a book in your life, read that book. If you're watching right now, The Magic of Thinking big it, it, but it's all about belief and ultimately if you have belief and conviction in yourself your mom saying honey i don't think that business plan is gonna work out or your cousin saying damn you got a podcast bro you really think that's gonna work that my, my that market's pretty saturated right now you're gonna say yeah it's gonna work because i'm gonna make it work yeah that, i i think that's the biggest problem <clears throat> in today's society is that people go and they have a great idea and they call mommy, they call their sister, their brother, their jerk-off friend that isn't their friend that doesn't want them to get better than them, but they think it's their friend. And they say, well, Pete said this isn't a good idea. My mom said, this is stupid. Nick says, what, are you out of your mind? Mm -hmm. You know, and then, okay, I'm not going to do it. Then I'll have another idea and I'll call the same fucking people and hear the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's a real big, I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And back to the analogy I said on our podcast, if I wake up, right, you wake up in the morning, first thing you do, brush your teeth, wash your face a little bit, whatever, and you look at the, at the mirror and there's a clear face, right? Ten minutes later, if you're walking down the sidewalk from, from your car to, to the plaza and someone says, holy shit, that's a huge zit, you're going to say, no, what the fuck are you talking about? But why when you wake up at 5 a.m. with a dream of I want a six pack and someone looks at you ten minutes later like this happened to me six months ago and they say, you're on a diet? Why do I believe that? I should believe what I'm going after. Right. But when it's belief from the external, you start to believe it. Right. When you know for a fact something is there or something is not there, like I don't have a pimple on my face, that's belief. That's conviction. So why when you have a belief and conviction in a dream, when someone says it's not there, you say, okay, you're right. Fuck that. You don't actually have belief in that. And how do you get belief? You do get belief by doing hard shit every day. Showing up to work when you don't want to show up. Tonight I go, I gotta go home and answer emails. My bedtime's 9 p.m. It's gonna be 10 30, 11, but I'm gonna do it. Because I write it down every single day because I'm grateful for it, right? Which makes me view it in a positive light. It's all That is the biggest problem. 
right there. It's other people influencing other people not to do to go get or 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 just too worried about what other people think. That's it. Like I, think, I don't give a fuck. I don't it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because I, you worked on yourself though. Yeah, like now I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I could care fucking less. I yeah. really don't. But I know so many people that just fucking are so influenced around people around them that do not give two shits about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. But that's what he was saying. Misery breeds misery. Yeah, if you're it. around misery, you're a miserable person. Yeah. If you hear it all day, oh, life sucks. Oh, I hate my job. Well, we're all there. I was there. Oh, I hate this job. Oh. Hate well, this? What do you do? You hate your life. You hate this. You hate that. And you all get along because you all hate it. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, this fucking place sucks. Yeah, but like, beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah but like, hey, Pete, do you hate yourself? Then, all right, yeah, come on, yeah, jump yeah, in the car. Yeah, right. Nick, you hate yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, all right, come on. Yeah. Who hates more? Yeah. Who hates yourself it, more? Okay, yeah. you get shotgun. And it does nothing for you. Like back to yeah. tie it somehow back into the law of attraction and like the thinking positive thing. Sure. It sounds. It's easier said than done for sure. But I can promise you, dwelling on the negative and thinking about negative shit is doing absolutely nothing for you, you know? And doing this 10-minute gratitude list may sound like magic foo-foo shit, but it's Structural. it's a step in the right direction, and it's it's worth giving a shot. It doesn't right. cost you anything. If you really want to fucking change your life, it's really easy to just take that simple step in the right direction. And I think you were getting ready to start making this point, because you said six months ago manifesting was a word you'd say with finger quotes right. you didn't believe in writing a gratitude list that's not how you feel today what happened how'd that change i'm gonna answer that in one sec i gotta say this quote to kind of finish off that point sure for people who love to pull people down it's this the beauty of, the beauty of doing nothing is that you could do it perfectly only when you do something in life is it almost impossible to do it without mistakes. Therefore, people that are contributing nothing to society except for their constant criticisms can feel mo- more, uh, both more intellectually and morally superior than you. Mm. So when you're doing nothing in life and you're doing it perfectly and someone else is going to go try something and you feel like they're stupid for trying something, so you're going to give their, your criticisms right? Because now you're in a perfect place and you're going to tell them it's not going to work out. So if someone looks at you and they said that you can't do that, that's A, based off of their own belief, but B, because they're not doing anything. Have you ever met a successful person in life who's really worked for who they had that had someone come to them with an idea and they say, no, fuck off with that. No, because they're a dreamer because they built nothing from, from something from nothing as well. I've never seen someone happy say something negative to someone like that. It's already always people at the bottom that are trying to pull. Mm-hmm. And so realize that if you're getting that type of, of uh, I'm not even going to call it advice, if you're getting that type of energy in your life, respectfully say, go fuck yourself mm-hmm. and do what you want to do. You know, And even if that might come from mom or dad or cousin or best friend, they don't mean it maliciously, but they, they're putting their self-limiting beliefs beliefs on you and that's not okay could not agree with you more and and they and they believe them and 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 they have to understand that mommy isn't going to always be here correct you know fred jim sal they're not gonna they're not living your life you have your own life and one day mom is going to be gone unfortunately and you have to live for you and what makes you happy what is what makes you it you can't live for other people Mm -hmm. and another thing to your question earlier that relates to this is I changed a lot of people around me. Yeah. I made my circle really fucking small. Yeah. I mean, Rob and maybe two other guys I talk to on a regular basis, and that's it. And before, it was, you know, just a bunch of bums. Because yeah. when you're living for the external, you want more of it. I want more yeah, friends. Sure. I want more cars. Sure. I want more money. Nah, but that ain't fucking fulfilling you, man. I don't yeah. care that you're banging seven girls a week. Why do you feel unfulfilled? Yeah. 
Like, fuck, man. And it's almost like everybody kind of has to go through that in a way, 100%. right? To them better themselves to get to get the mindset like you guys got. What were you gonna say, Rob? No, no. Oh, I thought. Yeah, no. That's good, man. I, I mean, you guys are doing a great thing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, brother. I appreciate it. Really are. Um, I mean, this podcast, you guys could really change some shit. Thank, Thank you, man. man. Really. Thank right? you. Don't you think, Rob? I yeah, mean, fuck. Yeah. I appreciate it. You know, it's I, just, end up. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. no go ahead. No, it's just. It's just the. You know positivity uh everybody's gonna go through struggles you're gonna have bad days we all have them mm-hmm. um and you're gonna be down in the dumps sometimes but it's then getting yourself out of that mindset and and i think it's just being around like-minded thinking people and people that think the same way because if you don't you get pulled back down correct correct and 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 the last thing on the devil and the angel analogy, I said, right, you have a boss and a bitch voice in your head. And when the boss voice is doing really well, meaning that you're doing amazing in life, you're on 72 straight days and you're whatever, that bitch in the closet that you just knocked out, right, is now scheming of what he could come up with. So maybe if that bad Tuesday where you wake up and you don't feel like doing what you want to do is the devil saying, nah, man, you thought you was there? Now I'm going to come and knock you out. I'm going to pop your tie on the way to work. I'm going to I'm gonna have someone cuss you you out at a home depot i'm gonna throw you curveballs so you're not going to the gym today you thought you were slick mm-hmm. right nah not today and, and so when i hear this voice in real time i thought i literally I, I i told pete all the time and i said on my podcast all the time i speak out loud to myself so when these thoughts come in where like if i have to do six sprints and i'm on the second sprint and then it's like nick you did more sprints than you did yesterday chill out bro you're doing great man i laugh and i say nah not today motherfucker you thought you was slick right i'm if i'm at that bar and i'm in a committed marriage right and that that beautiful 10 walks up to you and I was like, you devil in a different form. Get the fuck away from me. That's not happening, bro. You think you're slick. You think you're going to come back and knock me out? Knock my discipline and my self-love out? Get the fuck away from me. So when you start Isn't viewing these the thoughts, truth? bro, and at 6 a.m. when your alarm rolls off and that says, damn, that fan's rolling, boy. <laughs> oh, the, Bro, why are these sheets so comfy? Why are sheets so comfy in the morning, bro? You're like, I, w- I wish I slept like this when I first fell asleep and now I'm, now I'm tired as fuck. What if these voices were just there to fuck your day up? What if these voices was just that devil in disguise saying, nah, you thought you were slick. You thought you had discipline. You thought that you were uncomfortable today. Nah, not today, man. Today it's stormy outside. Go home, smoke a joint, eat fast food, bro. You deserve it. You need a cheat day. You need a cheat day, man. You know, and and, and so it comes in these slick ass ways. But nah, not today. You are not beating me today. And when all you focus on is today, all I focus on is today, everything slows down, man. I don't give a fuck what Susie says. I don't give a fuck what happens to me in the external. I got to get my shit done today. So when everything else shows up, I'm chilling, man. And you I know? think the more you're able to make well, that sir. right choice in those positions where the devil's talking and, and you're able to say not today and make the right decision, eventually over time, those voices get fewer and further between and less loud. For real. And it just becomes... Every day, you know, it's kind of like what you had said earlier, like muscle memory in a different right. type of way. The more you do it, the the more it's just the muscle memory, it and it's just routine. Yeah. You know, most powerful force in the world is momentum. People don't talk about it. Momentum and rolling 
and just continue that momentum and it's an unstoppable force almost i don't know man sometimes a, a nice cheesesteak with cheese whiz yeah man i, man, I, I know that. i can't i can't no, i have two cheat days a week i, I got a 10 pack you gotta there's, remember, balance. Bro. Uh, there's balance there is there is, yeah. there is you know um <laughs> when it, he, he's not there yet but when he gets a little bit he'll realize he needs to have cheat days <laughs> otherwise uh, you, you got you no, have to, it is you it, have to shock your body i, I know the, the path i'm on right now and if it's someone who's considering making a change in life do whatever that means to you right i'm an extremist i'm a 180 guy i'm a guy to take it but if 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 for you it's just making your bed every morning for a month take that momentum roll that into waking making your bed every morning every month and do 100 sit-ups before you go to work right it could be steps but guess what make those steps consistent show up every fucking day and i don't care if your abs are sore or you had food poisoning last night you do those 200 countries every fucking day so now when you the third month when you say something crazy like i'm gonna wake up at five and go to the gym you now have belief within yourself because you just did stuff for the last 60 days without waiver, right? So start with small steps, but keep those steps consistent and then start adding on. Pete just did 75 soft. He texted me last week. He says, when you do 75 hard in October, I'm going to do it with you. But he had to start soft. Right, so, exactly. so you Baby have to evaluate in. yourself Correct. first, you know, to what's manageable. There's you different know, paths yeah, to it. Yeah. You know? Everyone's different. Every, and every program is different for every person, you know, like that 75 hard may not be for everyone. But I think everyone can apply that same concept in their own way. Yeah, there's anybody can apply something in 75 hard right. to it's about the, the discipline yeah. and the commitment without any compromise. It's one of many tools you guys use. It makes you no know, the ultimate mm. tool because now yeah. with this tool, I could wield anything. You know, I could wield a fitness. I could wield a marriage. Discipline is the root of everything. Mm. You know, so when you ha now have that muscle, every single challenge you want to go on, you're going to complete. It's not going to be a challenge that I spent 100 bucks for, spent two days on, and then that's a waste of 100 bucks because now you have the muscle that actually matters. So you take that muscle, you put it into anything in your life, you're going to succeed, period. You two at your age are, I, I don't know any other guys at your age that have your heads on as good as you do. Thank you, man. I mean, these guys got their fucking heads on. They are millennials, by the way. Hey. Uh, by definition, by <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you got fucking blonde hair, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. Promote your uh, construction company. Yeah, website. yeah, yeah. Guys, uh, it's A&A Development. It's my father and I's company. I'll be uh, hiring him, by the way. Hey, Papo. Rob will be too. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, my dad's been doing it for 42 years. I've been doing it almost seven. Um, we're the guys that treat you like family. And if you want someone just to consult to or talk to or ask questions about, call me. That's what I'm here for. Um, and uh, if I can't do it, I will definitely lead you in the right direction. I'll give you, I'll be realistic about timelines and trying to build anything right now is very hard um, uh, between supply chains, labor forces, um, and, and just an unknown schedule. So if you are getting a contractor who's saying, ma'am, I'm just too busy, he's probably not lying um, and, and be understanding with that. But uh, if, if you want to, to reach out, guys, and to have someone to consult with, talk with, ask general questions, call me uh, or email me. Uh, we'll put that information on here and uh, we'll get connected. Um, again, it is my goal to be the best and most premier builder in Palm Beach County before I die, and I'm going to make it happen. So now it's what's that's the, that's, that's the, the answer, right? Now, what algorithm do I have to put in in my life to get to that result? Because that belief is there. I'm grateful every day for being the biggest builder in Palm Beach County, motherfucker. I'm going to back that up. Yeah. You, you know, so 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 it, it, it's that every single day. And, and now I want to work to be the hardest and best person I could be to, to be in that point. So um, 
and I'm, I'm happy about my growth. You know, to someone watching this, guys, if you're older than 26 and 27 and you say, that, you know, these guys are, are going to have a lot more rough shit in life. Oh, these kids are young. They don't know what's coming. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. We don't know what's coming. But as I said on my podcast, I, I don't have anxiety about that. All I have, I, I don't have anxiety because all I do is wake up every single day and work on my fucking self. What is anxiety? That's the external. I don't focus on that shit. And when that shit comes, I'm going to be primed to fight that shit as hard as I can because I work on myself every single day. So no, I don't know if a recession is going to happen. I don't know if this shit's going to happen to me. You know, I don't know if someone in my family is going to get sick. I don't know. But why would I worry about that? I'm going to worry about making my family healthy. How do I do that? I do that by influencing them. How do I do that? I do 75 hard. Don't tell me you can't change the world. Don't tell me you can't change you, your family, and your local community. You can do whatever the fuck you want in life. But you got to change yourself first. So stop complaining about the politics and this and that. Focus on your fucking self. And if everyone did that, this country would be in a whole different other place. Focus on yourself, man. Be that person you want to be and watch other people gravitate to that motherfucker. You're at a you're at a company dinner for Christmas and that boss orders something, you're gonna change your order accordingly. Why? Because he's the motherfucking boss and you respect him. That's right. Right? So so be that influence within your company where someone says, Wow, he's doing that. And pay for his dinner. That's without it. him That's knowing. That's it. <laughs> without him knowing and let him find out yeah. on his own. That's it. And, and and it's that type of respect where ultimately you've done and backed up what you've said you were gonna do so many times that when you say something these people are like fuck it i'll finally believe him like this he's backed that shit up four times if i don't believe him at this point he's right you know like shit um i'm just a hater so at some point when do haters become your supporters it's when you do enough shit too many times where mom's like listen i told him not to to open his own business but he's like a fucking seven figure guy so i guess i can shut up now you know who told him not to do it mr beast yeah the biggest guy on the planet He's YouTuber, the biggest yeah. YouTuber on the yeah. planet. Yeah. There's no one even close. And his mom told him not to. Destroys Rogan. He's yeah. not even in... Rogan isn't, can't even hold a stick to him. And his mom told him not to do it, but he did it anyway. <laughs> and he's 17, right? Yeah. He's 17, 18. Mr. Beast is 17 years old? No. I, I know, no, no. He, when he started. Yeah, he started, oh. when he started. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's sort of like 13, yeah, yeah. but he, like, he persisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right out of high school, he just started uploading YouTube videos. I watched a podcast on it. But it's just, what did he have? He had belief. Yep. You know, that's it. One last question yep. for you. Um, when do you think the uh, like the housing market prices will mm-hmm. level out? Like how, how like in your estimation? Just right now, it, it, it's it? a combination of no inventory and inflation, and we're getting flooded from New York, California. I mean, I had a client last year, Sandy. Um, I shouldn't. Just not even going to say it. Um, a client. I know what you're about to say. Yeah, I, I'll yeah, say yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I have a friend. Um, he sold his house in New York, mm-hmm. moved down here. Yeah, he sold his house in New York for like 1.4, paid maybe 500 mm-hmm. for it back whenever, you know, it was 30 years. Moved down here, bought a house down here for 800000 $150,000 over the asking price, yeah. which was already 200000 over the over the actual price, Correct. right? So then it's listed at, say, 850 He Somebody's about to buy it for 850 He comes in, boom, cash buy, 975 Two years ago, that house was six hundred. Correct. Okay? Then he takes that other four hundred k he's got left, and he's opening up a uh, a taco joint with an Italian twist on top of it. <laughs> oh, that's but, fucking sick! Yeah. I like that. Yeah, wait, so, wait, 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 wait! I'm, I'm gonna break that down for a sec. Uh, mm-hmm. Meatball. Taco. You said an Italian place with a tacos twist on it, or wait, 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 a taco yeah. place with an Italian twist on it? It, yeah, right. The other way around. It's a taco. He's making opening up a taco joint oh, in okay. Fort Lauderdale, but he's making it, uh, making the tacos 
Italianish. That's either going to be the best thing ever yeah, in the world, or, or the it's going to be the worst thing ever <laughs> in the world. Farm tacos. I don't think anyone's going to ever go there and be like, "Oh, that was okay." You know. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, I bet you people are going just to try it yeah. out. Oh, I'm going to fucking go. Because yeah. it, it's completely different. Hundred percent. But I mean, that's what they're doing. They're they're selling shit, yeah. you know, and making, especially in New York, right? Yeah. I mean, a fucking room in the Hamptons is Jesus. Yeah. So you know they're. They can even, even down here, after that, they have money. They're coming in cash by. They don't give a shit that they're paying 300000 over the fucking asking price. Mm. I had a client pay f- his mortgage in Florida from what he saved from income saps to now being a resident of Florida from a resident from California. <laughs> you work at California, <laughs> right? They're taking 40% income tax Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesdays for the government. Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays for yourself, mm. right? So he said, fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to move to Florida. We're working remotely anyways. When I'm saving in income tax, I'm literally paying my mortgage renovation my place for that's happening all the time imagine that you know so this is the influx of people here and and it's just hard in my industry right now because money's not the issue we got people coming here literally saying it's a it's a it's a blank check and i was like yeah that's the sixth blank check i've seen this (laughs) week you know it doesn't mean i could get my guys to show up because there's 18 blank checks over there so we understand that how long do you think how long do you think things level out I don't think it's going to be the mortgage crisis of 2007, 2008. I do think that it's going to slow down. I think that with it slowing down, the inflation is going to continue to rise. So it's going to make the home prices seem higher. But it is going to slow down. Inventory is going to come back. South Florida did get hit hard by that. Um, And I would say in the next 12 to 18 months, it's going to slow down. Everyone's expecting this drop. Everyone's expecting a 2007. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's going to slow down. So people are going to be like, oh, my God, it's coming. And then it's just going to steady out. Um, And I'm hoping for that because it's really hard. It's sad for my generation, right? These millennials and these Gen Ys, where the fuck you want to call them? that that are trying to buy a home i mean i have people i know who is a it's a couple of a firefighter and a teacher the most beautiful american couple you could have that's like the two most american like couple jobs ever oh, yeah. right and uh almost 30 years old can't buy a house because you can't buy a shoebox in palm beach county right now for nah. under seven hundred thousand. so and, but but that's sad to me that this is a family five ten years ago who could easily have a, a, a middle you know class house and have a like white picket fence and everything but now they're renting and now they're giving money back into that system because who's the landlord the guy who just moved down from new york who paid 975 for an 850 and it's not a whole lot easier to rent right now either it's not when i first moved down here the well to say 27 18 i was living in a place here in jupiter it's four thousand a month rent four bedroom two and a half bathroom now to rent 10 7500 I'm sure it'll be 10 next month. Yeah, right. I mean... It's insane. <laughs> to rent a four-bedroom... And we're not talking like Palm Beach Island. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, Palm Beach Island, like this, the road out here is like, yeah. I don't know, 50 million and above. Plus, yeah. We're talking just regular, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. nice area, but, yeah, sure. you know, not fucking 7000 a month in rent. You would yeah. think you're in Times Square five years Correct. ago. Correct. And it's now, Pete, you want to promote the uh, your tattooing? Yeah, absolutely. It, um, how can somebody set up a? I know Rob is interested. Sure. A private oh, tattoo. Yeah. And- if you want to see my portfolio, uh, I would look just through Instagram. Um, Pete Casso. My pretty much all the work I do is on there, and it's probably the best way to get in touch with me too. You can DM me through Instagram, um, or through the Pete Casso website. You can see a lot of my portfolio on there too, and uh, submit an inquiry. And then uh, how often are you guys putting out the podcast? Do you have like certain days you always put them on the same day? Yeah, every People Monday. want to check it every Monday you put one out? Yep. Okay. And we have, we'll have all that in the description. Thank you. Thank anything you, else you guys want to promote or anything? I mean, that was a lot look, of fun. Impressed, man. You guys got your head Thanks, on straight. Man. 
things. You, you guys are doing a good thing, and and you're you're trying to help other people yeah. too. On top of that, thank That's you. It's really cool. I guess the last thing, in, in a totally Doctor Phil way, I'll say is, um, yo, you're gonna kill me about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're blonde. I get it. Sometimes you say some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do you call me Doctor yeah, yeah. Phil? Hey, mom. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. He, You didn't uh, know, but it's an insecurity. They called me, yeah. uh, Doctor Phil. What <laughs> do I do? You wouldn't believe what this Tommy guy just said. <laughs> hey, hey, Jake. Uh, you know, Phil. Yeah, hey, yeah. Joe. Who gives a fuck? Okay, I don't want that from Joe, so let's hang up on Joe. Let yeah. me call the next one that's going to tell me. You know. Next Feel time I come in, me. I'm going to have a bald wig <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and a mustache. mustache. Yeah. Um, no, but but Tommy, thank you. Guys, um, you know, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be in a spot where you're confused or you don't know what your purpose is in life is or you're unhappy. Um, but as Pete and I say all the time, uh, what I do know is going to wake it worse is pushing it off. And what I do know is going to fix it is, is attacking it head on. So realize that we all got problems. We all got shit, you know, and, and I could help you. I could hug you. But ultimately, that's your shit you're going to have to deal with. You know, I can't I can't fix that for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so identify the shit. Audit yourself in the ways that you could become better person and just do hard shit in that category every single day. And um, anyone can change your life, guys. I was a fat blob. I had a 2.4 GPA. I dropped out of college. I am not intelligent, right? But I work hard. And if I don't know something, I'm going to learn something, mm -hmm. right? Because that's a muscle that was forged through discipline, right? I was, not, I was a fat boy, but now I'm not, right? Because I did that shit, right? So you are not who you think you are and who you identify as. You could always change that. Your temperature on that thermostat could always change. You set that motherfucking temperature. So you want to change your life. You change that temperature on your identity. You become a different person. You back that up with belief and doing hard shit every day the world is yours man these people who you idolize they are simply humans that followed through on the shit that they said they were gonna say kobe was that good because he took 200 shots after that because he said he was gonna do it right so if you want to do something in your life say something and then back it up by fucking doing it and you could ultimately do whatever the fuck you want to do in life well said Hell Pete, yeah, anything else? I'm not going to try and follow uh, that I don't up, know how you, you, you can beat that, that one. That that would be like going after Chappelle. No, <laughs> right? dude, uh, I think no, that's the no. perfect spot. Yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Tommy, thank uh, you, very, you know I'm just messing with you. No. you got a great sense of humor, both of you. you thank know? you, man. We love you. I, I'm not lie, before this, you know, again, not that I don't trust anyone on social media, but in today's world, it, it, it's sometimes you... You think you vibe with someone on social media and then you meet them in real life and you're like, oh, okay. Well, that was a little different, but oh, whatever. Uh, you're amazing. And, and, oh, and, and, you, and for great. your consistent viewers, thanks, guys, um, Rob and Tommy are just as cool in real life as you think they are. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, thank yeah, you, man. Appreciate you guys coming in. Yeah. Hopefully you, you come back and, oh. and as everything expands and yeah, yeah, yeah. learn more about the building and yeah. Rob will have a tattoo. Yeah. I'll get another one. Yeah. Rob will have something built. I'll fucking yeah. something built because we'll I'm not paying one point two. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Might as well. Yeah. I, could, I could use another one. I haven't yeah. had one in a while. I love it. All right, guys. It was a blast. Yeah. Hope you guys come back in again, man. Yes, yeah. thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. All right, Pete. Nick. MSCS Media is now part of the Spotify exclusive team. If you'd like to watch this episode and others uncensored and uncut, click on the link in the description below.